The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. Lonnie Donegan, Chaz and Dave. Thank you to everyone who came to the show on Brighton, uh, in Brighton on Saturday. It was a fantastic evening uh, on a sad day. Because, as you know, because it's been everywhere, rightly so, Chaz Hodges from Chaz and Dave uh, passed away. And we paid... Well, we, I think we paid a fitting tribute in Brighton, didn't we, Catherine? I think it was beautiful. We had a right old Cockney knees up. We did. We ended both halves of the show... With we we had song sheets printed. Kath did some some lists. Some uh, people come in did, printed up some song sheets, and um, you know there was about seventy of us there. What was the f- we did uh, sideboard song? Yeah, and then no pleasing you, mm-hmm. and that you end the show, and I wasn't sure. Well, you know what the Brits are like. Oh. You know they're either. It was. A, I was worried it was going to be like you know shuffling the papers <laughs> in church when there's three people singing and everyone else is miming. But no. <laughs> 
mental. It was brilliant. Thank you to everyone who came and took part. You might have seen it on Periscope. It was nuts. People were shouting it out, climbing on the chairs. I think I saw a drunk woman getting on someone's back. (laughs) It was a knees up in a room above a boozer in Brighton. And I can't think of anything more fitting. I interviewed Chaz a while ago. We're going to play that a bit. We're going to play that tonight. We'll play the two halves because it was quite long. Um, So we'll play the first half before 11 and we'll play the second half after midnight. Um, And we genuinely love Chaz and Dave on this show. And I know a lot of you are really upset by it. And I'm kind of, it's affected me slightly different because I'd met him a couple of times because he was um, the dad of my friend, now your friend as well, Catherine Kate, uh, Kate Garner, and the father-in-law of a good friend of mine who I've worked with for 20 years, Paul Garner. Um, and I'm I'm pleased to say, although not under the circumstances, we've got Paul on the line. Hello, Paul. Hello, Ian. This is not how I wanted you to be on my show, but we're here, <laughs> and and this is it. How, um, f- well, first things first, how's Joan doing, Chaz's missus? Joan is, well, as you can imagine, she's heartbroken, yeah. and um, she's an incredibly strong woman, so she's... Um, you know, she's she's worrying about everyone else more than herself. She is. Checking everyone else is okay, but um, no, she's amazing. And um, you know, they both, Chaz and her, were the perfect marriage. Really, they yeah. they were together for how many years? Six, fifty, fifty-seven, 57 wow. years. Oh, flipping! So uh, that's pretty good going. So yeah, no, she's amazing and. Yeah, which is there. We're we're there and trying to help her through this. Um, uh, when did can I ask you? When did you realise you were you were courting Chaz's daughter? I've not asked you this before. What was the moment? Where did, was there a moment you said, "Look, I've got to tell you who my dad is"? Yeah, it was when I, I asked why she had a beard and a hat <laughs> <laughs> and some braces. <laughs> you silly sod. Uh, uh. No, um, do you know what? Uh, she sent me a tape when I was doing local radio, Ian. And <laughs> she sent me a tape um, when I was on Chilton Radio. Yeah. The Hot FM! Yeah, God, you've still got it, man. I used to listen to the Hot I FM. Got it. I, don't know, I don't know if it's appropriate to y- for you to use this interview as an audition piece, Paul. Blimey! Not available in Northern Ireland. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and she sent me a tape of her songs, which I thought was sensational. And I went to see her to a gig. Yeah, all right, let's leave that now. Okay, sorry. I went to, I went to see her do a gig uh, in, a, in a pub in North London, and she was amazing. And there was a very uh, recognisable man yeah. amongst the crowd um, who was uh, Chaz from Chaz and Dave. Wow. So um, it was... Uh, kind of like that and so i sort of knew her dad way before i knew her because i went and bought a couple of chas and dave singles when i was 11 12 13 and so i had them in my collection so that was kind of weird to to know somebody uh uh, you know somebody you're going out with their dad sort of 25 years before you knew them what was what Uh, were the what was the what were the singles that you bought the singles I bought uh, "Rabbit," yeah, and I bought the sideboard song. Uh, it was that, that was that a single or was that on the other side of "Rabbit"? I can't remember. Um, but yeah, I got an "Ain't No Pleasing You." Yeah, that's so, a song, man. That, that they are 
timeless, aren't they? Well, this is the thing. They are timeless. And, you know, I guess there was a period when the, when the cool people or people trying to be cool would kind of not Chaz and Dave. But I think, I think that they're seriously, they're one of those groups where eventually everyone says, actually, yeah, I think they're really good. And I said this when I chatted to him. I, I, I think at their best, their, their songs are up there with, with Ray Davis in terms of capturing a certain, a particular aspect of Englishness. Well, I think, I think you're absolutely right because they never wavered from what they thought was uh, the, the right way to go. They, 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 they deliberately chose to do rock and roll music in their own accents when everyone else around them was doing it in American accents. Yeah. That was, that was the kind of genesis of Chaz and Dave. And, and they did earn their right to decide what they were going to do because for years, both of them had been top session musicians. They yeah. played, Chaz, Chaz started out as a bass player and played on, I mean, so many hit records. He was the session bass player for Joe Meek. And he was mm. the bass player for Jerry Lee Lewis. Uh, Dave played bass with many people, including including Willie Nelson. <laughs> Did he? Uh, yeah. Wow. And, uh, John, and Johnny Halliday, for our French <laughs> listeners. So um, these are two very seasoned yeah. musicians who had a love of those old musical-style songs that they grew up with. Kate, uh, Chazzy's um, mum, Daisy, was a pub pianist in North London, played all the pubs, and she taught him all those amazing old songs uh, that Kate, my wife, now plays. Yeah. And... It came from an honest place. They it, they started this because they loved music, and it just happened to become something that they earn huge respect and 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 a living from. But it started because they wanted to play music, yeah. not because they wanted to be pop stars or anything like that. Oh, they were the most normal. unlikely looking pop stars in the eighties. Seeing them on top of the pops and stuff, you know, you got all your trendy bands. Then you got two two who, who seemed at the time old, probably younger than I am now. Two old geezers with beards and hats and braces. You know, <laughs> sat with a piano and a bass and a, a drum kit. What a weird setup that is! And they just, you know, they've never fitted in. But that's kind of their charm, isn't it? Yeah, but that's. That's exactly what happens, you see, because they, the way they looked back then is pretty trendy now. I mean, Chaz would be be amazed at it. You know, I mean, it's kind of, it's hipster, isn't it? (laughs) It's beards and braces and and big boots. And uh, they did it because that's, that's what they had lying around the house. They (laughs) I tell you what's good as well is their songs are full of humour. And I remember when I found, um, uh, ages ago, the song, don't anyone speak English anymore? And you, you, you approach a title like that thinking, oh my God, what have they done? But instead, it's a really funny, clever song about everyone using Americanisms. It's so funny. Well, they are folk songs. They are, yeah. they are uniquely English folk songs and British folk songs, if you like, um, that have a universal appeal. And that, <laughs> As I say, it started because they wanted to sing about the things they know. It's all about people they've met and seen and family. And so it comes, you cannot, you cannot manufacture that, that type of thing. It has to come from an honest place. And I think for me, like you, Ian, I'm in a creative industry. I'm a comedy writer, television comedy writer. So 
finding something that's unique to you, something that's original that nobody else has done is so difficult. Mm. I mean, we, we, you know, we, we know a few people that we've worked with together who've done that and they've found a way through. They've found a thing that they didn't care whether anyone else got it or not. They were going to do it, whatever, because they loved it. And I think the more people in creative industries that can learn from Chaz and Dave that if you're just honest about what you do, don't go chasing a fashion because if you, by the time you've got there, it's going to be gone and you're going to look stupid. Just, just do what you genuinely believe in. And even if it takes 10 times longer, you're always going to appreciate it more in the long run. It was great. You very kindly invited me and Kath along to see them at the Royal Albert Hall. When was that? March? February? March? Something like that. And um, April. Eight, was it April? God blimey. Yeah, um, April something. What a show that... I mean, you're right. That was that was a proper Cockney <clears throat> knees up. It, 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 London Girls was when it all kicked off. And we were up <laughs> dancing with the, the random people next to us. The whole Albert Hall, didn't it, Kat? It was hilarious. I've never been to the Royal Albert Hall before. I've only seen it like on telly with posh um, like orchestras playing. Yeah. But that night, flipping, eh? Yeah, I ended great. up down the other end of the aisle. I got flipped down the end. <laughs> it was a no, great okay. night. You know, I'm surprised they let you in, Kath. <laughs> London girls. I know. <laughs> I kept quiet. What were you doing there? <laughs> I was observing. He um, and we, 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 we luckily got you know to, to mm. just have a brief little chat with him afterwards. He seemed uh, absolutely thrilled with the response that they got that night. That was magic, wasn't well, it? Well, you would. You know what? You know, he put all his heart and soul into that gig, mm. and you know, arranged all the string arrangements and the brass section that were there. Wow. I mean. Whenever he did anything, he did it right. And he was always very proud of that, that he did it properly. You know, and that went from anything from making a cup of tea to, to mending clocks. He started out as an apprentice clockmaker and mender before he became he uh, really? successful. Musician. Absolutely. And wow. <clears throat> excuse me. Excuse me. Only, uh, only, two, only two weeks ago, he was mending my Uncle Bob's clock that was left to me <laughs> that, <laughs> oh, <laughs> that hadn't worked. For ages and it was an absolute craftsman and, and he knew you know so much about so many things he, he came from that generation where you you had to learn a trade mm. you had to have something you couldn't just you know go out with a bunch of o-levels or gcses you, you had to have something yeah and there was no there was never a spare moment in his life it's like he would always either be reading something, listening to... He listened to the radio a lot. Big old gardener as well. He, he, he wrote a gardening yeah. book, didn't he? He has an allotment that he, uh, you know, has had for many years that he, he wrote a book all about keeping an allotment and gardening, and he's an absolute expert on that. But just going back to the Albert Hall, mm. as, as you and Kath were there, you, you would have seen that, you know, however many thousands of people there, it was people that from all ages mm. from all kind of demographics all different backgrounds and that was the uniting kind of feature of Chaz and Day's music you know they came from a working class background and they, they sang about the people they knew the people they loved and the things they loved and it was such a passionate honest uh, approach to music and songwriting and that that's what that's what appeals that's what hits a note with anybody you know, all different types of people. This is um, one of those passings. It feels weird talking to you about this because it's, you know, it's your, your father-in-law, and obviously, I know Kate. But this is one of those passings that has hit people that I think generally are not affected by 
a celebrity. Passing my mate Scott, um, who I think looks like Dave, but my mate Scott was in pieces at the weekend, and my sister sent me a tweet, uh, sent me a, a WhatsApp message saying, this is really sad, it feels like the end of an era. And it, it, there was so much love for those two. Well, do you know why I think it is, Ian, as well, is that with everything, the pace of change is so fast now in the digital world we live in, and nothing stays the same for long. And it's really comforting when something stays through the generations, like your mum used to listen to it or your grandmother yeah. used to listen to it. And Chaz and Dave were one of the few things left that didn't change. Mm. They were always who they were. They never changed their fashion. They never changed their attitude. They were completely dedicated to it. And... You left a room or left a theatre or a show in a much better mood than mm. when you went in. And that is such an incredibly powerful thing. It's such an enormous talent to, to go into a room of any size and make people feel like you're their friend. How are you doing, Paul? You all right? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. I, <laughs> I, I tried, when I heard the news, I tried, to, I phoned up to try and, you know, just offer support. And I, and I got all tongue-tied on the phone. And, I, you know, I've been worried about you well, and no. the, the boy and Kate all weekend. To, to and... be honest, you, you, that, that, Ian, was because you rang me literally, I think, a few minutes after the press release went out. Right. And I, I was just taking my son back from a football match. And I hadn't, we hadn't told him about his Right, okay, right, Because right, we right. didn't want to, you know... For various reasons, we yeah, 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 have a, a nice morning, and so I was stood outside the car, s- slightly kind of tongue-tied myself, yeah. thinking, okay. "I can't tell you anything yet, but I will." Okay, well, listen, man. Um, lots of love to all your family. You, you, I've got, you know, you're welcome around. You're all welcome around to my new house anytime. Um, we're going to play uh, in two parts tonight the interview that I did with Chaz. So, um, yeah. and we're going to, we're going to send him, we sent, we sent him a bit on his way on Saturday. It was a lovely old knees up we had. A lot of people shouting and singing Chaz and Dave songs. So much laughter as well. Oh, it, it was great. great. It was really, really good. Um, yeah, that's the spirit of the knees up, my friend. Yeah, the- <laughs> <laughs> so powerful. <laughs> oh, Paul. Yeah, lots of love. Lo- thing. Lots of love to everyone. And I will, I'll speak to you in the week. Thanks, Ian. Love Thank you, Chaz. See you. Take care. Ta-ta. That's Paul Garner. Um, he's worked with him on the 11 o'clock show, and uh, he's um, Chaz's son-in-law. James, how are we going to do this? Do we want to play the ads now? Then go into it. We'll play the ads. All right, we'll play the ads now. You go and say goodbye to Paul for us, please, Catherine. Uh, and then when we come back, we'll play the first half of the chat that I got to do with Chaz in Paul's house, um, as it was. This is the Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee and Catherine Boyle. We're celebrating the magic of Chaz Hodges, who passed away at the weekend, and giving him the salute and the tip of the trilby that he so deserves. This is Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. So, I am in sunny Stevenage, just getting my... um, the stuff out of the car here to interview Chaz Hodges from Chaz and Dave um, I'm mates with his son-in-law Paul Garner who used to write on the 11 o'clock show I've brought my ukulele in case quotes a right old knees up ensues um, I'm quite nervous about this I've met Chaz before a couple of times very briefly um, but uh, he's an actual 
legend. Um, so, uh, yeah, let's see how this goes. Now, Paul's had a bit of work done to his house, and I don't quite know how I'm supposed to get in. I think this is it. There we go. Early. Mr. Garner! You're like a musical Roger Cook. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, man? Alright. Yeah, good. Do you want Well, Chaz can sit on the piano stool. Chaz can sit wherever he's comfortable. I, I, I can move and. Sound like, sound like a proper muso. Yeah. <laughs> We're tuning up now. <laughs> How good is that thing? Is, is it like a proper yeah, yeah, surround yeah. sound? Oh, I could, I, I could do it. In, it's not in stereo at the moment, but you could do it in stereo. You've got um, six tracks. Yeah. You can mix it live. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It takes any input. It's well worth getting. All, this, all the stuff we recorded in New York, we did it. We record the rabbit hole on this. Wow. How much of that? Is that yours? It's mine. It's about 320 quid. Well, I think you can say like two grand. No, it's not. It's brilliant. To record the rabbit hole, we... Um, It's never my ukulele's never sounded so yeah, good. It's a good one. It's, it's a bit bigger than the normal. It's one. a nice one, yeah. It, yeah. I, I, I got it. There was a shop in East London. I think it's might have closed now. The Duke of Uke, and they just used to sell. You know, they were like ukulele experts, yeah. and you go in, and it's don't know it. Don't, don't know that one. How you doing, man? Yeah, doing you're well. looking really well. Well, thank you very much. Um, can I ask how all, that, all that's going? Uh, sure, you can. Uh, all the treatments finished. Um, I went through uh, the chemo, which is, uh, if anybody's uh, you know sort of worried about chemo or radiotherapy, it, it's the chemo. Um, you're in there. Well, I did a, a course of. It was over nine weeks, but I did three lots of chemo every three weeks, yeah. and you're in there for like six or seven hours with people go what you're in there six or seven but you sit there once you're prepared for it yeah. it's a real relaxing afternoon i mean they, they just put you on a drip and you just sit there you got nothing else to did do. you have the cold cap because when my mum was getting her treatment she had the cold cap they they suggested i could have it if i wanted but i thought no I'll, i will lose me ear anyway yeah. and as you can see it's growing it's back now anyway and it's gone back darker <laughs> look it's i mean it wasn't as dark as that Mate, so maybe it? maybe it's good for you know grey heads well, getting rid of the grey hairs. Isn't you it? know, you sort of you, you know, all this this sort of implant treatment. Have a, have, a, uh, have they fixed you then? Are you fixed? Well, uh, yeah, he's, he's happy. He's, they've uh, they, they've took photographs of the, uh, the well. I start at the beginning. It was cancer of the esophagus. Yeah. Um, well, I turned out. I first found out it was just before Christmas, and um, I was drinking a glass of water quite quick glugging it down i was on my way out and it won't go down right for a strange it, water won't go down 
Um, anyway, I knew there was something wrong, so I waited till after Christmas, only like a couple of weeks. I thought, well, I'll get Christmas over, and I said to Joan, should go, I said, there's something ain't, ain't right there. Anyway, we went, they found out it was cancer of the esophagus, cutting a long, long story short, he said, you've called it early, uh, we'll go for a course of uh, chemo and then radiotherapy. Uh, as I say, the chemo was great, and funny enough, um, all through, uh, almost all through my life, whenever you go to the doctor, whenever I go to the doctor, they take your blood pressure. Yeah. It's always a little bit high, and they go, oh, it's a little bit high, and I can't get used to it, right? Every time I've, I went to chemo three times, each time, all oh, your blood pressure is perfect. Now, my theory is, I oh, know I haven't got anything to do, I've got no phones to do, yeah, yeah. phone calls to receive, I'm going to sit there for six hours, I've got, I've got a book to read if I want, I've got my phone and got my earphones so I can get onto YouTube if I want, so it's like a real relaxed afternoon. So, as I say, anybody who's going, going yeah. for it, it's easy, it's great. Radiotherapy, well, it was cancer of the esophagus. Uh, he said it's going to be a little bit sore after because they they concentrate uh, that radiotherapy is the, the, the finer points. I've got a tiny little tattoo there. Look, oh, there we go, look. Is that right. what, what they aim it at? Yeah, it's a like, tiny dot right in the middle of my chest in yeah. the esophagus. So they, they line me up. You're in there for like five minutes i was there every day for uh, and it's only down was, uh, the hospital uh, it's only half an hour away so i was lucky it was just down the road um every day no, six days a week no five days a week um for how many three weeks i think it was might be four weeks anyway that was in and out but uh he's right it was a bit sore after but it's it's almost not noticeable at all now and the last one was about a month ago um they're going to do a scan on me uh in just over a week's time but i just i feel great i can do everything i can get around the allotments on my bike and i can do a <laughs> bit of digging i can play the banjo I can play the it's amazing what they could do my mum had breast cancer she's not very well anyway she's got ms yeah. and she had the chemotherapy and they said we're going to do the chemo so we can shrink the tumor and then we're yeah. going to do a mastectomy and, and get rid of it yeah. and um they did the chemo and then there was a bit of argy-bargy because i wanted her to have it in a different hospital so there was a bit of a delay and she went into the hospital and they prepped that she stayed there overnight and i went in the next morning to be with her and they prepped her and they took her down and she was off having her final little scam and she was in there for ages and the doctor yeah. came out and said we can't find the tumor we've been given the wrong information the tumor isn't where it sits we can't operate on her today and i kind of kicked off going well this yeah. is outrageous yeah. he said she's gonna have to cut, go for another scan find the tumor and come back she went for another scan and they said it's gone we've it's gone the chemotherapy has worked and has got rid of it it's so it's amazing what they can do and it's interesting yeah. what you say because yeah. you hear the words chemotherapy yeah. you think oh jesus this is going to be a nightmare but it's not as bad as people not, think it is, at all. A, and it can work. It can yeah, get rid of it all. Yeah. Well, that's what the doctor said to me. They said about you can have a major operation, but he 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 didn't think that that was a good idea for me. So I go, I've really in. The, I mean, uh, the other advice I can give to anybody is do what the doctor yeah, tells yeah, you. Yeah. There's a lot of people that go, oh, you know, I got bored and I discharged myself from hospital. I can never understand that yeah. sort of thing. Once you're in hospital. They're the experts. I mean, when I first found out I had it, a lot of people up and said, oh, I bet you was devastated. Well, I wasn't. Um, initially, I went, oh, blimey. I, I went, like, how long have I got then? He went, look, hang on a minute. Let's, let's talk <laughs> Slow about down. This. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we can do this, blah, blah, blah. And it was only for the, like, the first 
half an hour. I, I thought, uh, 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 but after that, I sort of I was out of it. I mean, I, I, I don't wake up. I didn't ever wake up in the morning with like a, a black cloud over my head, think, oh, I've got cancer. My feelings was. I've called it early, which I knew I did. Yeah. I mean, that's another thing, anybody listening. That if you get any symptoms of any kind that you ain't sure, get down that doctor's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It ain't the same as our mums and dads' times or their mums and dads where it was like It was cancer. a death sentence. It was. Do you remember it, people didn't used to say the word cancer? Know, they go, they it's got cancer. I know. Was, you're, you're yeah, dead you never right. say it out loud. Yeah. I remember, uh, my, I mean, my granddad had cancer and he, he survived it, but I didn't know he had until... Years after, my mum said, oh, did you know Grandad had cancer? Yeah. Well, I did. I remember going to see him in hospital. But not, you didn't but know I don't know what he had. Yeah. You know, so yeah, you're dead right. Good. Well, I'm glad you're well and you look brilliant. Yeah, I feel great. I, 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 enough talking about that, because I want to talk about music. Yeah. Um, how did you get started? What, 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 was, what were you doing as a boy that kind of got you into music? Right, I come from a, a musical family. Music was really important, and when I look back, uh, not a very well-off family, you know, with... Uh, with North London and and uh, well, my dad was from Acne, uh, so we're not Londoners, but but not very well off. And when I when I look back, uh, I think like if you could play an instrument, you, you could earn money. Yeah, you know anywhere. Uh, my mum, she she learned to play the piano when she was uh, about four or five. I learned all this, found out all this out after. Um, and my great grandfather, who I knew very well, and he was a. Uh, a clarinet player, uh, but I never saw him play clarinet. I think he was too, too. I think he sold it, and he had a penny whistle when I when I grew up. But uh, great musician, and um, he apparently used to take my mum out round the pubs when she was five years old to play the, the harmonium. Really, he would set it up outside the pubs on a Sunday oh, afternoon, fantastic. and he'd play the clarinet. And of course, like a little girl playing the piano, yeah. you know, with pretty blonde hair and all that, get loads of dough, and. Um, as we'd uh, talked about that, the harmonium, I remember this harmonium when I was a kid, and I loved it. And I remember coming home, uh, I was about... Is that ten... the one where you've got to, you've got to squeeze, squeeze it as you're playing it? Is that the harmonium? No, is it that, uh, it's, it's a, f a foot pedal, right. and this one was a real uh, portable one. You, you could pick it up like a, a suitcase. Yeah. Uh, the sides folded in, and it had bellows when you, un you unfolded it. But I remember it when I was a kid. I remember coming home one afternoon, and uh, I said to me, Nan, where's the harmonium gone? Where have you put it? He said, oh, I'll give it to the rag man. Oh, no. What would you do that for? He said, oh, it had an hole in it. Oh, no. Now, I, my theory was, I think she was... Uh, as the years went on, she was feeling guilty about sending her little ki her little daughter out to busk, and that yeah. harmonium was like every time she looked at it, it was like it reminded her. It reminded yeah. her, and that's my theory because I couldn't figure out. Yeah. You know, I thought about that years later. Yeah, but uh, what was wrong in it? You know, me, me great grandfather looked after her well, and and they they got they got food on the table. But that was when I first started playing. Um, well. I'll go before that. Uh, my mum, she dearly wanted uh, there to be a musician in the family, and yeah. uh, I remember thinking, she, oh, she, she ended up playing piano great. She brought us up playing the piano. She, uh, when my mum was, Did you have uh, a piano in the house. Yeah, it, yeah, we always had a piano there. Yeah, um, but when my mum, I mean, my dad died uh, when I was four, so we weren't very well off. So we're one parent family. She married a couple of times, but that didn't work out. Um, but yeah, playing the piano, put food on the table. Yeah. I knew when she was playing, like, of a weekend, she used to, 
uh, when I was very, uh, young. But and where was she playing? She going pubs and stuff. And um, yeah, but the the best one that she had, she used to. There was a club. It's still there actually in Edmonton called the Edmonton Services Club. She used to play there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and right. with a little band. At a, uh, uh, she was on piano, accordion, and a drummer, and oh. uh, that was a nice little gig for her. Yeah. And I always knew on Monday. Uh, there'd be nice food on the table, a bit of ham and a bit of like you know special food yeah, that we yeah. didn't get all the week. So it was piano means so much to me. Not only is it a great great instrument to, but it meant food exactly. Yeah. It it it, uh, it it fed fed us. And so did she teach you? Did, did, did or did you just kind of find yourself sitting at the piano as a kid and just working it out yourself? Uh, n- uh, no, she the first I remember her coming home. She was playing uh, the piano up at a pub in Edmonton and there was um, a real renowned piano teacher from Edmonton and I can't think of his name but he taught um, uh, Mike Smith of the uh, Dave Clark yeah. Five and I knew Mike pretty well and he's, he was a really good piano player before I started he, yeah. he was playing piano I was playing guitar and, and bass but he's a really good piano player I can't think of the bloke's name anyway my mum was playing up the pub one Saturday afternoon I was about I was about nine or ten, I suppose. She came home. She went, "Oh, I got some great news." He said, "This this uh, piano teacher saw me playing, and he said, I don't know what you're you're playing, Daisy.' He said, "But you're you're a really good piano player. There's nothing wrong." He said, uh, "Do you do you uh, read music?" He said, "No, I play by ear." She said, "Well, he said, if you've got any kids, I'll teach them for nothing, for free." Wow! And she came home full of it and said, "He'll teach you piano for free," and I went. What do I want to learn piano for? <laughs> I, I, I want to play football. I want to go fishing. Yeah. I want to play with the kids out in the street. Yeah. I mean, the kids that I knew that went to piano lessons, you go, oh, you can, we're going to play football later on. You know, nah, I've got a piano lesson. Yeah. Oh, well, I know, it was all boring. So I didn't want to know. And I was thinking that, you know, but my mum did end up seeing me play, play the piano many, many years later. But uh, my first interest in music was... Um, I remember uh, listening to Lonnie Donegan yeah. on the uh, on the radio, and it was bringing a little water, Sylvie. I loved the guitar strumming, and I said to me mum, I said I'd, I'd love to play the guitar, and she was so pleased. And she said, Would you? She said, "I'll get hold of one." Anyway, um, my uncle Alf, he lived over in Acne. He had an old guitar that he he he'd had since the war time or before the war. And uh, I've still got it now, actually. It's, it's a, in a bit of a state, but I've still got that little guitar. Wow. He done it up, and uh, I went over to Acne and uh, picked it up. And uh, I started. There was nobody around in those I'm, days. I'm just. I'm reading the brilliant book about Skiffle by yeah. Billy Bragg. Yeah. And because Skiffle is often, I think, overlooked. Uh, this is the argument that Billy makes. It goes from you know the crooners to the Beatles, yeah. and yeah. the, the Skiffle yeah. goes, and. Before, you know, kind of Lonnie Donegan and Ken Collier, and before that, there was nobody playing the guitar. Yeah. The guitar was always in the background somewhere. To have someone at the front stood up and strumming yeah. was a revelation, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, there weren't... Uh, I can't remember seeing... I mean, all our... Uh, I like my uncle Alf. Well, I've got his banjo here. Yeah. They all had banjos and ukuleles yeah. up in the loft, but no guitars. I mean, that all come from the Americans. Yeah. You know, you saw pictures of them, but uh, and this is the skiffle was before rock and roll. Mm. Uh, when Lonnie come out, and I mean, he, he really all us like over here. 
I mean, a lot of Americans, most Americans have never heard of Skiffle, yeah. although it came from them really directly uh, from the Skiffle parties uh, in the early 20s, apparently. But we took it up and we commercialised it. But it was a great thing to, to get you going. I mean, there were so many Skiffle groups. There yeah. was a Skiffle group like, down every street almost in those days. It's almost like the original punk, when yeah. people, kids thought, hang on, that stuff on records, we can do that. Exactly, and I think that's very important. I mentioned that in my book, that is, at certain times music comes out like that, like pump, punk uh, and Skiffle, uh, and my feelings are similar to Bob Dylan. Now, a lot of people are shouting, what are you talking about? But when... The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. I remember walking through Hyde Park, every sort of blokes were strumming it and sounding better than him, singing to their girlfriends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, straight out the end, and they're going, oh, that stuff, that's better than Bob, that is, you know. <laughs> and that was the same sort of thing. To me, yeah. it was skiffle. Yeah. Um, I mean, he got it off of uh, Woody Guthrie, yeah. so where Lonnie did. But, yeah, I mean, people like, like me, like Albert Lee, the... Uh, Eric Clapton, Mark Knopfler, they all started off in skiffle groups. Yeah, yeah. And then the, the, the best of them went on. You know, the, I mean, most of them, like my, uh, I did in my skiffle group, uh, you, when rock and roll come out, I thought, I can do that in, in, with, with the guitars, you know. Yeah. So, uh, Saturday night, no, just got paid, all strumming away on the guitars, but it sounded all right. Yeah. But yeah, you know, and then... We was into rock and roll. And when did you... Do you remember the, your, your first paid gig when uh, you, you did a show and someone gave you a few quid afterwards? Yeah, I do very well. Um, it was a, a hall over the top of a pub in Edmonton called the Britannia, and I think the pub's still there. Right. And uh, in the Skiffle Group, and I can remember playing at the most fantastic night of my life, doing Bring Little Water, Sylvia, you know, and pick a bale of cotton, strumming away. Yeah, yeah. And the crowd was all dancing and like cheering. And at the end of the night, uh, the the leader of the band come over and he gave me a pound note. And what was that for? Wow. He went, "Oh, that's for tonight's gig." What? And that really went ding yeah. in my head. I thought, "This is the life for me." But doing the best thing that I could ever dream of doing yeah. and getting paid for it. And that's what I'm still doing. <laughs> uh, when I said I was going to interview you, uh, I've had about five people say, you've got to ask him about working with Joe Meek. Yeah. What was, what was that like? Joe, I learnt so much from Joe. Um, it was my very first recording. No, it wasn't. It was the first professional recording session. Um, I was playing bass guitar then. Um, I got bass guitar in 1959. And uh, I joined a band called uh, Billy Graham and Stormers. Right. Uh, and once I got a bass, uh, I mean, it was a brand new instrument. I was the first one in North London to have a, an electric bass. Yeah. Every band wanted me, you know, can you do a gig with me? I was like, earning a fortune. It's weird to think, uh, electric guitars and electric basses, they've not been around forever. It's, it's no. a f there are 50s inventions, and before that it would have been the stand-up bass, of course. That's dead right, yeah, which I do love, the stand-up yeah. bass, but... Um, Bass guitar, if you if you knew a little bit on guitar, it weren't too much of a step to go on the bass guitar. And uh, I love the sound of it anyway. Yeah. Uh, and when I, I, I still was playing guitar, but uh, bass guitar I was playing in, in the band. And um, Billy Graham and the Stormers, I joined in 1959 on bass. Uh, we went to Butlins for three months in 1960, which to me was like absolute heaven, just getting £20 a week each, which was a lot of money in yeah, 1960, yeah. and uh, planned, you know, doing what I wanted to do. Came back from there, the band split up, 
and I got a knock on the door from somebody I'd met, and um, he said, uh, "Want to get the band back together again to back somebody who's who's got an audition with Joe Meek?" And never knew who Joe Meek was. Said, who, who is he? He said, well, "He's an independent uh, producer. He's an engineer. He's had a couple of hits." He said, anyway, he said, have a listen to this tape. And I thought it was Buddy Ollie, and I love Buddy Ollie. And it just sounded just like him. It was Mike Berry. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, the band was formed, and we became Mike Berry and the Outlaws. We auditioned at uh, Joe Meeks. He loved the band. And uh, we we became his house band for a good three years, really? the Outlaws, yeah. And where was was this when he was doing it in his house? Yeah. In Holloway in, in Road, yeah. And so everyone was in... Is this true? Everyone was in, like, a different room while it was going um, on? Well, uh, it was a room about this size we're sitting in now, about, I don't know, about 20 by 15, something like that. Yeah. Uh, that's where all the band would be set right. up. Right. You'd have the drums in one corner... And he would put blankets over it to sort of mask and wow. blankets in the bass drum. And but he used to put at least uh, two or three mics, if not four, on on the drums, which was unheard of yeah. in those days. He would mic up the snare, mic up the tom toms, mic up the bass drum. Uh, so the, the drums would be in the corner because that's got m- the most spill. Uh, but we'd all sit in the same room. I'd have I would sit by the door to the next room which would have been the kitchen where <laughs> joe's got his tape recorders <laughs> so i would sit there with the door wow. half open he would plug my bass he would di direct inject my bass yeah. i didn't have to have an amplifier which would spill onto everybody else's yeah. microphones in the studio so i was listening to me bass through the through the booth you know but audibly not with yeah, headphones yeah. And uh, it re- it worked very well, and some of the re- I mean, he did go over the top on some of the recordings, uh, but some of his best ones, the quality was amazing, and, and some of the things that uh, he did, and his editing ideas, I'd, I'd heard the word editing, but I didn't know what it was. Yeah. I, um, I can remember um, we did uh, an instrumental which didn't do bad uh, with the Outlaws. And it was uh, called Swinging Low. It was like a version of Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. Down, 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 down. Anyway, we did this uh, recording of it. Uh, we did about seven or eight takes. And on each take, uh, we all had a little piece. I had a little bass solo, and a drummer had a little drum and solo, guitar player had a little, so- and, and so on. But each time, take one, I do, did a great bass bit and the drummer fluffed his or didn't do it so good on take two great one for the drummer not so good on me and i remember saying to joe at the end uh i said isn't this shame we can't get all the best bits in the same take he went don't worry about that he said i'll sort it and wow. i thought i really didn't know what he was talking about yeah. i thought, I, thought I, I won't go into it i just anyway when we came back the week after to play it i thought the man was a, mu- a, a magician yeah he'd actually cut out the best bass bit from take one cut out the best drum bit from take three the best guitar bit from take four and put them all into one and like and it seems obvious now with oh, no. you, you can punching you can multi-tracks but he was a genius i yeah. think you know he was he was the british phil specter that stuff was unheard of yeah and I the mean, reverb he used to use as well exactly i mean i didn't realize till years later like actual tape hadn't been in i think it was just after the war right. so we're talking about 1960 so it weren't that long after the war really yeah. it was, I don't know, 15 years something like that 
Uh, I mean, so tape was still quite a new medium for recording. Yeah. And actually cutting bits of tape, I don't know who first thought of that. And but I just thought it was. I couldn't wait to do it myself. So I had a little gr- uh, Grundig tape recorder. Oh, did home. you? So I was quickly cutting it up, and uh, you know, I, I learnt very quickly. And I love editing now. I love it. I mean, yeah. I do it digit. Uh, I was gonna say, have, you, have you kind of embraced all of the, the computer stuff where yeah, you can just um, move stuff I've around? Got, um, I don't get on the computer to do it, but I've got a 24-track uh, TAC digital that wow. I bought about four or five years ago, which are amazing. It's about 500 quid, you know, it's got everything yeah, on it. Yeah. I mean, Joe Meek would have just gone... Well, it would be... He'd, he would overdub to infinity. <laughs> he really would. You know, you say, you ring him up, sorry, I'm just doing overdub, one million and, and you know. He would. He would never stop overdubbing. He probably is up there somewhere overdubbing. <laughs> but uh, amazing machines. How did you um, How did you and Dave meet up? Um, I was uh, in the, the Outlaws, um, going on to 1963 now, had two or three guitar players, and... Uh, Mike Berry went his own way, and we were doing pretty good as yeah. a, a band on our own. We were getting gigs and, you know, making d- two or three gigs a week. And Richie Blackmore joined us. We got we nicked oh, him wow. off. We nicked him off of uh, Screaming Lord Such. Yeah, yeah. When we started earning a few, but one or two, uh, not uh, uh, great amounts of money, but like two or three hundred quid from Joe Meek, we'd get up there now and again. Uh, and he said, oh, we've got some royalties come through. And um, anyway, we offered uh, uh, Richie Blackmore a job and he came down to Joe Meeks. And he said after, he said, what impressed me, we didn't do it on purpose, but we could have done it, it could have been a good ruse. He said, at the end of it, we'd, I'll rehearse with you. And uh, we went, yeah, great. And he, he was like, yeah, that's good. Uh, Joe Meek came in, oh, no, a guitar player came in. He said, oh, we've got some royalties for you, like 100 quid each. And he said, that's what really swayed me. So I like the band. He said... And they're earning money, you know, <laughs> which is what we all wanted to do. So uh, he joined us, and uh, we were uh, quite a band to be reckoned with for a while. Yeah. And um, I remember um, we used to read Melody Maker and Enemy a lot in those days, and uh, I think it was Ken, the guitar player, he said, hey, he said, there's uh, an advert in the paper, um, Don Arden said, Gene Vincent's coming over, and he needs a backing band, and we love gene vincent rock and roll but they also do your own spot and and back gene vincent great so uh, we rang up and don arden came down well, i remember we uh, rehearsed in a co-op hall in uh, hornsey and he came down with his cigar a bit like al capone come through the door now you know? don arden is um Ozzy sharon. O- sharon osborne's dad right. is he the fella as well that hung someone out of the window by his feet Apparently, I've heard this story. I don't doubt it, but I can't verify right, okay, it because okay, I, I weren't there at the time. But he was a tough nut. He was a tough nut. He um, he really was. I mean, uh, when we had, we eventually um, backed Gene Vincent. Wow! Uh, wow! And that was absolutely fantastic, Gene. Um, when he was, he could be, he could be a bit of uh, a bit of a moaner, a little bit depressive. Well, a lot depressive. But yeah. when he was good, he was fantastic. Oh, yeah. He was really yeah. good. But uh, I remember uh, we've gone on to Don Arden there. I remember um, uh, Gene Vincent after we'd been backing him a couple of months. He said, "Chairs," he said, uh, "I'm going to uh, Geneva. Can't take the band." Uh, 
will you come with me as uh, my musical arranger? I went, yeah. He said, you get paid good money? Yeah, okay. He said, uh, uh, can you be at my house? Uh, he, he lived in a muse in London. Yeah. Uh, uh, he said, stay there. we got to leave at six uh, o'clock in the morning. I said, yeah, okay, yeah, great. Anyway, I went there, stayed there, and I didn't have a suit. I remember... Um, and he was, I was taller than him, he said, you've got to have a suit. I said, I ain't got a suit, I ain't got a Try one, and I'll try one of his suits on. <laughs> and I remember it was a bit like Norman Wisdom, a little bit short, and the, the legs and the, the coat. But I got this, I made it sort of look reasonable, so I got my suit. And um, I remember he, we, we was up all night, like, just jawing and talk, talk, he was talking about, the, yeah, I loved it, talking about his wow. old days in, on the road in, yeah. in, in America. And I remember his missus kept coming up and giving him and bollocking him. He said, Go on, get to bed. And I thought, This is Gene Vincent. You can't, <laughs> you know. Anyway, I remember he woke me up. Uh, he woke me up about six o'clock in the morning with a bottle of light. Oh, here, Chas, is that? Oh, no, can I have a cup of tea instead? <laughs> uh, anyway, got my stuff ready. Next minute, bang on the door, the loudest bang you've ever heard. And with the loudest voice you've ever heard, because he could shout that, Lord Don Arden, Gene, come on, we're late, let's go. And come in, and I'm stood there with my case, and Gene Vincent's got up, and he, he didn't even look at me, yeah. uh, Don Arden. He went, Who's he? Wow. And Gene said, Well, I just thought, Don, uh, uh, we got an old band, uh, I'll bring chairs and, and chairs. Nobody's coming with you. Oh, no. It's all laid on. The band's laid on. Come on, the taxi's waiting. Out. Oh, no. And Gene Vincent just didn't even look at me. Walked out the door. I'm left there in the middle of some muse in London with a, in a Norman Wisdom suit and a, and, a, and a suitcase. Off they've gone. That was, that was it. That was oh, the end of no. it. Oh, <laughs> no. I still ended up back in G, and he said, I'm sorry, Chairs, I, I, you know, it's done. And, but that's what Don, Don Arden was like. The radio show for people who know the best part of the day is the night. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We'll get you talking. We're live, 10.57. We'll play the second part of that interview after midnight. Uh, this is Ian Lee. Captain Boyle is here. Hello. Lovely bit of Chaz there. Don't worry, we we, we can take your calls. Uh, now we're going to go to the news in a minute, then we'll come back and we'll take your calls. 0344-499-1000 is the telephone number. You can give us a call about absolutely anything you like. you like, uh, talk tonight we'll, about Brighton. Thank you to everybody who came to the show on Brighton. Wasn't that astounding? It was like being... Um, a, a, a former pop star playing the comeback circuit, wasn't it? I mean, it was a small venue, but the noise was incredible. They came to party and they, they were ready from the start, weren't they? I think they were drugged up. <laughs> um, it was it was, it was, was wonderful. If you watched it on Periscope th- or YouTube, thank you very much. If you came along, even more thank yous and everyone who stayed around afterwards. Um, that will go out as a podcast, I guess, in a couple of weeks. Um, that'll be the Rabbit Hole podcast. So that was fun. Um, always love going to Brighton, even though the weather was it was a little bit ropey. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was nice. We had a nice drive down there. Good food, good show, good laughs. A little bit rude. Got very rude, actually. It got very racy, indeed. Racist. No, no racy. racy. Didn't get. We got a little bit racist when you started doing your uh, impressions of um, of different ethnicities. No, uh, I had to draw happen. a stop when you got to Japan, but that, that didn't happen. Um, but apart from that, it was it was uh, a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. 
You going to we'll say do something? it again, shall we? Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it again. We've got a lot of shows coming up. I, I won't bang on about them tonight, but ianlee.com slash event, including a show where we play games. And I'm not, I said I'm not going to bang on about it, so I won't. <laughs> but there you Have go. Have a look. Have a look. Um, so you can give us a call about anything. I want to talk to you about uh, dolphins talking. I want to talk to you about your favourite bits of graffiti. I want to talk to you about the television show Four in a Bed. And uh, I want to ask, did anybody ever actually... I know we're talking about... We don't normally talk about old kids' TV show, but there's a thing in the paper about Blue Peter. Did anyone actually like Blue Peter? That was just... You know, we were we were quite a snobby family. But even we thought that was boring, man boring you can give us a call it's the most popular late night phone-in show anywhere in the united kingdom uh the telephone number is free for most people pennies uh, uh, a pinch and you'll speak to james he'll call you straight back so now's a great time to call the switchboard is empty oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand call about anything you want oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand we'll talk more after the latest news on talk radio the Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. Mama phoned up last night, she was going spare. She was in a tent, not pulling it around. Your sister's fault in a scruffy look, he said, Father, don't give a monkey. I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. If it comes round here, I've got more beer in the side pool here. Let Mama sort it out if it comes round here. I said to me, Mama, let me have a talk to Dad. So he comes to the telephone, it was an old place. Said, She's got no sense in little cat. Around the back of shop, a lazy little yacht Mother says, calm down, Dad, he's all right But they're out there snuffing in the passage all night I don't care, I don't care, I don't care But he comes round here I've got my beer in the sideboard here Let Mother sort it out, but he comes round here And he comes round here I got my beer, let Mother sort it out To the sideboard here Got my beer, let Mother sort it out I don't care if he comes round here I think it was a drink with a stubborn on his chin He looks like something that the cat's bought He never got no money, smokes all my face Got holes in his soles and he's hanging in red On top of that, he said, I tell you why I got the ump she had a skinny little belly now he's sticking out the front there's nothing since the fit she's a running out of clothes and if it's been taking liberty to punch him on the nose but I don't care I don't care I don't care if he comes round here I've got my beer in the sideboard here let mama sort it out if he comes round here if he comes round here I got my beer let mama sort it out in the sideboard here I've got my beer let mama sort it out I don't care if he comes round here I mean, I, I, I think we could push forward the argument that Chas and Dave invented rap. There we go. There we go. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. If it comes down here, I've got more We'll play the rest of the interview with Chas later on in the show. 0344 499 1000 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. You know the score, guys. You can give us a call about absolutely anything you want. Uh, it can be big. It can be small. It can be light. It can be frothy. I don't know. It's always hard to do 
get the phones ringing after we've had a guest and we've had a first hour of guest so it's going to be tricky but you know what i don't care so i was listening to um so yesterday we took the kids to see my sister because it was my niece's birthday and we had a lovely day really nice day saw their new house and it was lovely and i took the boys back home to their home then i drove to my home and i was listening i normally listen to bob mills but i was just flicking around on the radio and i listened to four extra right um and it was radio lab which is this kind of american show that is uh done by a new york radio station it's also put out as a podcast and is syndicated across the states and four extra put it out and it's really interesting you know we often say on this show good evening by the way Catherine. hey although we've been hanging out for like the last three or four hours so you know radio high mm. uh but we always say that for us for me don't dare speak for you unless i, w- I was ordering for you in a restaurant which i believe is the gentleman's uh, we're gentlemen. Yeah, we're the gentleman's thing to do. Uh, I'll have uh, the beef lasagna, and the the lady will have egg and chips. <laughs> Actually, that sounds quite. It nice. doesn't sound bad, does it? I cooked tea tonight. Yeah, you did. Well done. I've, it's the first time I would say in, in decades I've cooked a meal from a, a recipe from a recipe recipe book you gave me as a moving in present. Thank you, and um, big pot. And I cooked. What did you call it? A casserole? Um, a tagine. What? I'd call it a tagine. The food? Yeah. Well, that's just like a Turkish casserole. Yeah. So it's a casserole. Yeah, but you asked me what I'd call it. I'd okay. call it a tagine. Okay, what would most normal people who aren't um, dickheads call it? A casserole. So, Hang on, you said who aren't dickheads. Okay, so mm. I, I cooked a lamb casserole. I cooked it. I, I bought. I went to the... To it was the, a Moroccan casserole. It, well, okay, okay. It was made by like the... apricots in it. It was that. a recipe from the Hairy Bikers. Hairy they're Dieters. In, they're, they're, they're English. Yeah, they are. So it's it's an English recipe. Okay, well, cultural appropriation. And also it's lamb, which is which is an English animal. So I um, went to the shops, bought the ingredients, and I cooked it up. And do you know what? I enjoyed cooking it. It made my house smell nice. It, it made my house smell nice. And um, and it tasted all right. It was really good, actually. There we go. That's it. Thank you. So um, I'm, I'm. So what's tomorrow? Well, tomorrow I'm a, tomorrow nothing for you because I've oh. got to go for my eye test, and then I'm going to watch my eldest play football, and then we're going to go and see. Oh, I've gone deaf in one ear. Then we're going to go and see uh, the Lady Gaga film. Yeah. Um, tired of waiting uh, for you. So whatever it's called, Star is Boring now. Star is born. So we're going to go and see that. So I won't have time to cook tomorrow, but I might. I might have time to cook uh, rustle up. A little something on a Wednesday. I don't know what's happening on Wednesday. Well, don't overstretch yourself. I oh, know we're going out for dinner on Wednesday with Josh from uh, one of the producers of Day Five. Oh yeah, yes. we're going to take him Nando's. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Um, yes, we're doing that Wednesday. Tomorrow, I've got a photo shoot, and I uh, looked Ooh. at the itinerary. She said I- adjusting her bra. I know. I, I won't be wearing that. We're slipping it down. No, I, no, that's Come not what on, happens all, anymore. All your all your friends are done. Come if on, you, darling. You're professional. You not- want to make it in this business? You've got to show a little bit of nip. No, it's not one of them shoots, I don't think. It's 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 done by the sun. But they are doing my hair and makeup. So it's gonna be great. And little, I told my youngest about that and she went, What, like in Britain's next top model? I said, just like that. And without skipping a beat, she went, Yeah, you won't get through. Oh no. But fair. Um so anyway, so listen to this thing. Right, listen to this. it's about for me radio is about stories. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. Radio is all about stories, okay? And it can be the stories of, of, of you know, a star like Chaz, or of it, a lamb tagine, of a lamb, of a lamb casserole, 
or it can be it can be a story about anything you know it's it's all about stories and this radio lab it's a great little podcast great little show it's actually it's quite a big show um it's all about stories and they're all generally really really interesting and this week was about animals talking communicating with animals is it possible to talk to animals to, 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 so that they can understand you and you can understand them. That was kind of the thing. And do animals, do animals use language, right? And there was this one guy who'd spent years, um, living in the, like the rainforest or something, listening, recording monkeys talking. And he detected, like one, one of the things he detected were that monkeys, when they see a tiger, and they're warning each other. They have one call that means tiger, which seems to mean there's a tiger, get up high. And if there is an eagle or, or a bird of prey coming, they have another call that means there's a bird of prey coming, get down low. Right. And both calls are very, very similar, but slightly different. And he found that if he played the recording of either one. Hello? Hello? Okay. Um, well, okay. But they also, he found that they would sometimes warn him that something was coming. Oh, really? Yeah. He was being followed by a tiger one day, and the monkeys were kind of saying, there's a tiger, get Stop up. It. Swear to God. Swear to God. It was incredible. <laughs> then they had um, a woman who had, um, with the help of the guy that invented Google Glass, invented a machine that could talk to dolphins, supposedly. And you go underwater, and it would broadcast underwater. And, and dol- for some reason, dolphins really like... They like silk scarves. Oh, I know why. No, don't. They like They're silk kinky, scarves. They? And they they play around with it. And, so, and they have names. This is the thing. Dolphins have names for each other. And they will refer... They will talk about... Now, the, 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 this is one of the tests of language, mm-hmm. is do they do they talk about things that aren't there? And they talk about other dolphins that aren't there. So concepts. Concepts. They don't, the woman didn't, couldn't, didn't know if they, if they talked about things in the past. That's another kind of test of language. She doesn't know if they did or not. But so she had this machine and it would go and, she would go and talk to them. And, and but it, it, the machine, basically the end of the story is, spoiler alert, it didn't really work. And she's like, well, it's going to take like another 50 years. She says, she thinks the hello works, but she's not totally sure in that and what what i didn't know about dolphins fascinating right is as well as talking they sonar you they see through sonar but you know they can see your bones and your organs when they sonar you stop it yeah they can see inside you so what they'll do is if you're like in the water they'll sort of circle you and sonar you so they're all looking inside you isn't that weird Perverts, I told you. But here's the other story, right? And it was this woman, and we're going to try and get her on the show. Go on. I was going to say, because you've heard about dolphins doing amazing things like rescuing people from sharks and stuff and um, protecting children and pregnant. And I suppose they can see it. They can see it. They can see it. So, have you tried to get this next woman on the show? I've had a look. I can't. I'm, I've I've not looked as hard as I can. Okay. Well, look, because I want this woman on the show because her story is amazing, right? So, in the '60s, she was a young woman in the '60s. 64 i think it was and she was kind of drifting through life and didn't know where she wanted to go and what she wanted to do and she saw this advert for this animal research laboratory she's like 
Uh, yeah, do you know what? I like animals. I'm going to go and have some of that. And it was this this um, psychologist, I guess, I guess, who was kind of way out there, and he was trying to teach dolphins how to speak English. Could a dolphin speak English? And so this woman, whose name escapes me, she ended up... Margaret Howe Lovett. There we go. She ended up in this specially built apartment that she shared for about nine months with Peter the dolphin, right? And the, the, the apartment was made, was, was, was water, right? So everything was water. And there would be like, she had like a wooden bed, like a plank that was suspended about six, she said, well, she said about two or three centimeters above the water. And she lived in this place for nine months with this dolphin, Peter. And he would wake her up in the middle of the night by splashing water on her and all this stuff. And so she tried to, um, she tried to teach him English. Now, there are recordings of it. You've, you've got to stretch your imagination to think it's English. But he, t- Peter tends to copy the tones. So she'll go one, two, three, and he'll go, and, and he, she, she tried to get him to say her name, Margaret. But he couldn't, she's going, M's are really difficult for dolphins. So he would simulate the sound of the M by flipping around in the water and, and sort of muffling blowing, blowing out of his blowhole to get the like an M. That was the closest he could get to an M. It's incredible, right? And then this, this psychologist wanted to, there were loads of these dolphins and he gave all the dolphins LSD. Now, I don't know why you'd give a dolphin LSD. But she, the, the, Margaret said, no, you're not going to give it to Peter. Peter, you're not drugging my, my Peter. My Peter. 0344 499 1000. And then there's, um, I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to, because it, it comes better if she, if, if I can find the bit that she says it. So what we'll do is we'll play a quick break. And while we're doing that, I'm going to see if I can find the clip where she talks about a little bit about how she helped the research process along oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand this is talk radio across the uk online and on dab access all radios talk radio give it some lip so i found the clip right so this this margaret woman is living with peter the dolphin for nine months and it's actually got a really sad ending we'll get to the sad ending in, in into a bit um in a bit um but uh, well, anyway, so this is this is what was played out on BBC Foot Radio Four Extra last night. It's from Radio Lab, which is I thoroughly recommend you go and check out. You can get the podcast, and you can find it online. But so, um, so hang on, let me just get the volume up here so you can hear it. So, so this is this is what happened. His funding had started to dry up, and when people heard about Margaret's work, they tended to focus on like one particular part of here we the go. story. Here's the catch: you don't have to answer, but a lot has been made of your. Uh, sort of sexually engaging with Peter and I just want to ask because you don't seem like a shrinking violet I just want to ask is there anything you want to say about that um what would I like to say about that I th- I think the sensational side of it is, is here's what Margaret told me Peter was a young dolphin he was horny and he would hump her leg a lot 
Why is she, she asked the question and then told us what she said rather than oh, no, that's, say uh, that's the way the show is done because right, okay. her story would probably go on for a very, very long time. So they well, that's the story I wanted. No, no, no. Honestly, you should listen to the show. It's done brilliantly. I wouldn't, you know, I, 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 no. But uh, the fact that Peter was a young do- dolphin and he was horny. That was great! Kind of like a dog might do, which was getting in the way of their work. So eventually I just said, the heck with it. And she'd use her hand to, you know. And and it would quickly satisfy him, and then we could go back to doing what we were doing. And I, I never really gave it another thought. I never thought, ooh, don't let anybody know. I never thought, yeah. ooh, this shouldn't be. I never. But thought, because of I details like this, this and the drugs, this experiment became extremely controversial. There you go. I mean... She was, as the Americans say, jacking off a dolphin. That's outrageous! But he was a young, horny dolphin. That's yeah. uh, that's what he wanted. Um, but then the, the, there is a sad ending to this story. Yeah, because when all the experiments stopped, he got moved to a tank out of that apartment. He got moved to a tank in Miami, and apparently the lighting wasn't great, and he got very down, Peter the dolphin. Yeah. And he committed dolphin suicide. Wow. Yeah. He sunk to the bottom of his tank. They drowned themselves. And refused to breathe. And he's not the only dolphin that's known to have done that. Apparently one of the flippers, yeah. by the name of Kathy, yeah. did the same thing. So they just drown. So they get depressed. Yeah. So I've had enough of this. depressed. That's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. I do. I've always thought it weird. Even as a kid, I don't like zoos. And even as a kid, seeing, like, dolphins in aquariums and things, you think, yeah, that's cute, that's cute. I don't feel right. Especially if, and that experiment seems to back it up. Yeah. If they're supposed to be that intelligent. Yeah. Why would they be content to live in a tank when they're supposed to be out in the sea? I don't know, man. Uh, Apparently, cat owners might be more into bondage and BDSM than everyone else. Is that because of the cat poo? Uh, Yeah, it is. Um, if you're a cat-owning woman, chances are that you've been called a cat lady at some time or other. This is from the Metro, implying that you'll die alone, celibate and surrounded by moggies. But it now turns out that old trope couldn't be further from the truth. Because owning a cat might, in fact, be connected to a love of bondage and BDSM. They're twisting it slightly here. According to a new study, humans who catch a condition known as toxoplasmosis from their feline friends, are more likely to be sexually aroused by their own fear, danger, and sexual submission. This will be getting Ken horny. The report is based on an analysis of over 36,500 people in Slovakia, some of whom have toxoplasmosis and others were parasite-free. It uh, it claims to have found that individuals... um, with the condition, were more aroused by danger and sexual submission, suggesting that the preference might be a symptom of the infection. Um, Of course, for the vast majority of people who enjoy BDSM, what's that, bondage? Sadomasochism. Is it domination? Bondage, domination, sadomasochism, I guess so. BDSM. Hey, you know, um, we say LGBTQ+. Right. So who are the queer? The Q is queers. Queer. Yeah. So who are the queers? I think, and I don't... Here's it's a genuine question. I'm not saying it for a cheap laugh. I, ju- I was thinking about it the other day. Oh, I don't know who the que- who, who, who is queer. I think it applies to people who are... who don't fit into the other categories. Is that not plus? God, yeah. Because it, it's not Q plus, it's Q comma plus. They're, they're two separate... 
suppose I could Google this, but I've got a, I've got a human internet of um, uh, of people out there. Uh, um, so it's not Q plus, it's Q comma plus, isn't it? Mm. Okay, well, good for those guys. I think it's just. They're trying to be super inclusive now because yeah, there are so many more should. definitions. As we should. Yeah. Uh, of course, the, the vast majority of people who enjoy BDSM, their love of being dominated will stem from an inherent sexual urge. And even as the lead author, Jaroslav Flegra, explains, humans will always have some link between fear and sex. Always? This study isn't saying that cats are wholly responsible for every banker being flogged in underground sex dungeons. Not all sex dungeons are underground, guys. Some of them are in, apartment, in apartments. But what it is suggesting is that there might be a heightened relationship between those with toxoplasmosis due to the effect the parasite has on the brain and human. Um, yeah, because I read a thing about that saying that um, toxoplasmosis was um, more prevalent Oh no, disorders such as, here's the thing, disorders such as schizophrenia, depression and anxiety are more common in people with toxoplasmosis, while other uh, theories uh, are that the disease can influence a person's level of aggression, extroversion and risk-taking. Yeah. This woman who's written this, she gets all the good stories. This is uh, Ellen Scott. She wrote that and then she's written this from um, Friday. Buying sweaty socks and sniffing sports bras inside the sweat fetish community. Now, wow. I know that um, I think I'm g- we're going to speak in generalizations here, guys. I think there's, 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 there's a gay, it's more of a gay thing to be into sweaty socks. I think that is, there is um, a, as I say, particular brand of homosexual. I think there is, there is a, 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 within the Venn diagram of sexuality, that there is a small group of, predominantly gay men i think i stand to be corrected that are into getting dirty socks that have been worn for two or three days and wow <sighs> all right yeah i get you it, it? I, don't need, I don't need i don't okay. need that I'll, hang on a minute i'll do that back up then right um so there's that and we've known for ages that some men and again i don't get it will spend a fortune buying used Knickers, yeah, panties. I've been offered money. No. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. James Whale. No. <laughs> okay. He's got previous. I haven't. No. Go on. When? Not by James. Oh, oh for your dirty pants. On this show, yeah. They, they, on Twitter. Well, yeah. Okay. But I mean, I think that's where a lot of that stuff goes on. You know, Nobber got in touch with me again today. <laughs> of course they did. No, yeah. well, we'll discuss that later. <laughs> but um, um, there are women who make a decent amount of money for it, and it's no skin off their nose, so to well, speak. Well, it's. it's uh, but, but, but have a look on eBay because I wonder if eBay stopped it. I think it's the kind of thing eBay. Obviously, you go to a, a you know a, a website, you can um, get it. But I wonder if eBay um, stopped it. I'm gagging, thinking of someone s- s- sniffing a pair of um, dirty pants. No, I can't see it. Obviously, but they must have. There'll be a code. They must have taken it off. Oh three four 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 nine nine. Well, you do have to take them off. That's the well, exactly. Um, but that's a weird old uh, thing. But hey, listen, if, if if people can make money out of that, then good luck to them. If I people are prepared to, prepared to pay, exactly. Smells well. Actually, all right. Let's try and work it out, and we'll read this article in a second. Ellen Scott, thank you for this. This is in the Metro, by the way. Um, I'd rather they were buying them than nicking out nicking about my yeah. uh, washing line. Or well, they'd, they'd be clean. 
if they were on the washing line. True. They wouldn't want those ones. True. They'd want the ones from your, your laundry basket. basket. Yeah. Um, it's got, well, it's smell as, okay, so, so there's two, there's three things actually. There's smell. I'm going to say something. There's probably taste. And there's, there's, there's texture. And there's the visuals of it. Because a pair of nice pants are sexy. You can, you can look, you can look at them and, th- and imagine, you know, a person you fancy in them. It's, they're sexy, right? So there's, there's, there's the visuals, there's the smell, there's the taste, and there's the texture. That's, that's a lot. That's a lot to be going on. And, you know, you want to get Freudian. He was wrong on a lot of stuff, but they, it, that'll go back to, I'll go back to seeing your mum coming out of the shower or seeing your mum drying well, on her knickers or something. There'll also be something, be something like in that. the taboo of it not being someone you know's yeah. pants and that whole thing, I mean, I imagine. but um, it's, I, it's, I reckon it's Oedipal. It's got to be Oedipal. There's got to be something going on well, in yeah, there. Yeah, woman's knickers. Yeah, really. it's got to be mum. Yeah. It's got to be. Well, let's see what Ellen uh, has to say. She's good, by the way. I, I'm, uh, so, um, So... While most people, most think of other people's sweat as a particularly distressing part of our hellish commutes and of our own as a nuisance resting on our top lip, there are people getting off on the sweet, musty stench of sweat. There's no specific term for sweat fetishes. The closest options are olfactophilia or osmophilia, which are fetishes for odours emanating from the body. Uh, Okay. Um, Pornhub tells Metro that over 5,000 videos on their site feature the tag sweat or sweaty and these are viewed on average of 300,000 times a month. That's quite, that's pretty good. On Instagram, the hashtag sweat tag, sweat, hashtag sweat tag has more than 11 million posts, a workout, a mix of workout videos and fitspiration with sexualized selfies and adverts for sweat drenched socks. Stirring music. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. Uh here we go. Go to go to Twitter. Yeah. Hashtag sweat fetish. Oh god, really? Over on Twitter, people jump onto the hashtag sweat fetish tag to find buyers for sp- sports bras and old trainers. Clearly there's an appetite for sweat. Right, shall I give you the top twenty five um search things on Pornhub that involve sweat? What have you found? Go on. Well, on Twitter. So I didn't realise this was such a mucky show on Monday. I do apologise. Sorry about this. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. If you want to steer it to something decent, uh, Miss Lottie is saying, "On your knees and lick my goddess sweat from my perfect hashtag armpits." Ooh. Oh God. Sweaty home. There's a lot about workouts and stuff. Yeah. And I wonder whether that's the thing because you know, growing up, it was you know women ladies don't sweat. Mm, yeah. There's a thing in that, okay, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. There is a thing in that. And that's why, why you know, a lot of um, young girls apparently leave off doing sort of, um, once they finish school, they leave off doing uh, exercise because they don't like this idea of being sweaty. Yeah. Okay. I've been seen being sweaty. What else have you got on Twitter? <laughs> I'm not reading them all out. Well, I just want to be enjoying c- it. Censor them. Censor them, obviously. It's, uh... Johnny and Maya have sweaty feet. Hashtag sweaty feet. Yeah. Hashtag foot fetish. Hashtag souls. Hashtag foot worship. They're going for it. There's a picture. I'm not going to click on. Okay. All right, go on, I'll click on it. Go on, what you got? Yeah, it's two women with the feet out. But but they'll be they'll be. Let me have a look. Okay, so it's 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 two women. You know, okay. But there'll be men 
Play the video. Play the video and and hover over the mute, and I'll hover over the dump. Okay, well, hang on. Mm. Because there'll be men that will be able to get off on that. They're not saying anything. Just showing sweaty feet. Are they not? Hang on. No. Let me have a look. What are you talking about? Then they're making noise. You didn't click the. um... I did. You've done something to your computer. How do you work this? There we go, look, there we go. They're definitely saying something. Yeah, but I don't think they put their mics on. That's not sweat. That's, um, anyway, these are the, um, Free baby oil. Top 25 sweat related searches on Pornhub. Number 25, sweaty workout. 24, sweaty sock worship. <laughs> 23, sweaty foot job. That is that. That seems like a lot of faff. 22, sweaty panties. 21, lesbian sweaty feet. 22, sweaty face sitting. Hello, sweaty face sitter. What time do you want me tonight? (laughs) Number 19, sweaty muscle. 18, dripping sweat. 17, sweat pants. That's cheating a little bit. Yeah. Um, 16 is sweaty lesbian sex. 15, sweaty milfs. (laughs) Great name for a band. Sweaty milk. 14, sweaty feet worship. 13, of course, sweaty ass. 12 is sweaty feet humiliation. 11, this is quite high up, sweaty armpit licking. Now we're getting into the top 10. 10, licking sweaty feet. 9, sweaty socks. 8, your nickname at school, sweaty girl. (laughs) 7, sweaty armpits. 6, sweaty stinky feet worship. Oh, All right, horrid Henry. Five, sweat. Four, hot, sweaty sex. Do you get the feeling that people that like that stuff are people who were, like, wiped to within an inch of their life when they were kids? Maybe. Uh, number three is sweaty feet. Number two is sweaty sex. Number one is sweaty. Um, one 44-year-old man who asked to go by the name Pindic. Well, I mean, why would you? Found out he was into sweat after buying worn underwear and stockings. He was asked if he'd be interested in buying sweaty gym gear and found it a huge turn on. Now he buys sweaty gym clothes, socks, sports bras and underwear from his mistress named Candy. Because I'm her aunt loother, I get them extra sweaty, he tells us. It's the aroma. It's kind of hard to explain, but the scent just does it for me. Particularly sweaty panties. There's no better smell. The sweaty items I wear and sniff, and I also use them when masturbating. Inhaling the scent gives me a huge orgasm. There's little research into sweat fetishes, so the exact psychology of why people get off on sweat isn't clear. It could be related to pheromones. Uh, We know its scents can be arousing on a basic physical level. It's why certain... Um, Okay, here we go. Uh, um, yeah, the taboo factor. Um, gosh. Anyway. Candy, 22, is a fetish seller and Pindic's mistress. She's making quite a bit of money simply by selling her sweaty clothing and dominating her customers online. So they're not even going to see her. She's sending them emails. I think she's got a sweet gig. I started selling my youth underwear and one day a customer requested I worked out in them, Candy tells us. This opened up a whole new door of fetish for me. But she doesn't talk like that. I won't discuss... How do you think she just talks to him? 
Probably tarts like that. I won't discuss prices. That's why she's online. I bring in more money a month selling fetish items than I do working full time. I find the idea of my items turning someone on a turn on. The level of sweatiness in which she sells her items in depends on the seller. Some men just prefer a light sprinkle of bodily fluids, God. while regular like items completely soaked in the stuff. Um, good for you, good for you. That was uh, that's some story. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. This is Talk Radio, the late night alternative with Ian Lee on air and off the leash on Talk Radio. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand is the telephone number. Uh, good evening, Jerry. Hello. Hello, Jerry. How are you? All right, my cousin used to make fudge. He was in the fire service. So his socks and bagging from yeah. Selling what? When he was a fireman, he'd sell his sweaty socks to horny women and uh, gay men. Ladies, especially if he smoked all the areas. Hang on, hang on, hang on. They would request the socks that he'd worn when he'd been in smoke-filled areas. Be used. Dear God, what, what is the word? We're, we're going to hell in a hand in a horny handcart. What's that? I'm looking for girls. The provisions are disgusting. I wonder if I could sell my used pants. You could. Could I? Although yeah. women don't tend to buy them, but other fellas might. I started my selling it to the to members of the fact, LGBTQ plus. plus. Apparently, um, I've just been told that, that Giselle has just said that there's actually what, what is the full thing. And by the way, I think this is great. I'm not like uh, one of those persons go. There's how many letters? I love it. He put add as many letters as you want. LGBTQIAAP plus. Well, I love it. Keep adding to it. I want to include everyone, man. I say that uh, that women wouldn't be interested. I'm sure some women would. How much would you give me for my used pants, uh, Catherine? No, thanks. Ten pounds. No, thanks. Ten pounds. No, thanks. Come on. I'm all right. I'll take them off now. No, it's fine. Jerry, it's do used, you want my... Unusual, you're wearing Jerry, them. let's start a used... My Ian's used pants bidding war. How much do you want? Yeah. Yeah. Try it. Hang on, there, let me start again. There's, you got an idea for a show where me and Kath do what? Okay. I can't understand what you're saying. So I, do pits. I've got a feeling you're being filthy, so I'm going to yeah. cut you off, Jerry. <laughs> Good night, sir. Right, Up your bum. I've got a feeling he's being filthy. Um, 03444991000. By the way, everyone telling me about the um, guy who's doing a night of just playing Africa by Toto. Thanks a lot for listening to the show, because we know. Um, he's coming on the show tomorrow at 10, and he's just messaged me saying, things have progressed since that story went out. There are now four nights. <gasps> So uh, he's coming on. What's his name? Michael. Um, Michael Savage. Michael Savage will be on the show uh, uh, tomorrow to tell us about that. So thank you, everyone, who's pointed that in my direction. You need point no more, guys, because we got it. We got it. Um, one of my favourite bits. Uh, I'm just. Oh, this Ellen Scott's page is incredible. There's a story about um, wedges. 
how it turns people on. No, it doesn't. Come on. I mean, I, I, I can't, we can't base the whole show on other things. But yeah, uh, for most of us, wedgies are the, the... This is Ellen Scott. I've just tweeted her to say thanks for this in the Metro. For most of us, wedgies are the reserve of nerdy childhoods and bullying brothers intent on causing you pain and embarrassment by pulling your underwear up so it digs right in between your bum cheeks. Mm-hmm. But for some, wedgies are a new realm of sexual thrill. Wedgie fetishists have strong ties to the BDSM community, offering a form of domination over the person getting wedgied. It brings back feelings from teasing and bullying as a child. So, yeah, it ties into, like, adolescence, when you're first getting your your, your horn. Mm -hmm. First getting your horn. Um, Anyway, it goes goes on and it goes on. Right. Um, What was I going to say? I I got trapped in a dress once, but I don't um, long to have that happen again. Did did, Did it give you a thrill? No, I was dead embarrassed. Told you what happened. My what? mum made this really swishy, sort of fifties style yeah. summer dress. We all had, you know, summer dress patterns were different, but you all had to have the same material. Oh, can we get out of the car park? Yeah, I'm going to say yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so my mum made me one with a really swishy full skirt. Yeah, right. Which I thought was lovely, um, but one particular older girl thought was. Hi- would be hilarious to trap me in so she got it like oh, yeah, yeah. from the bottom and trapped me in it like i was in a big paper bag so everyone mm. all you could see out the bottom was my legs and my like fucking... a closed flower like a closed tulip yeah with with keks with keks and that means legs flailing about yeah to me keks means trousers and keks snickers yeah okay trapped in there now maybe i was too young did to... you ever escape no okay still in there thank god what nothing that would be weird I don't think I could live a, a normal life if I, if I went on like that. My favourite bit of graffiti. Have you finished? Yeah, I was just living out some childhood trauma. But fine, you, you're on to something else. Okay. That's fine. Um, well, I tell you what, we'll play some adverts and then we'll sort out your childhood trauma. Is that okay? I think it's over. You sure? Mm-hmm. We'll stop banging on about it then. Simple. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We'll get you talking. 0344 499... 1,000. So one of my favourite bits of graffiti, um, everyone will have seen this, even if, well, you, well, if you've been on the M25, you'll have seen it. Give peas a chance. You've seen that? Yeah, beautiful. It's gone. Why did they not, do that? Well, no, but, that, well, here's the thing, right? It's gone. So this is like a really famous bit of graffiti. Um, some M25 users have been left devastated. Well, that's a bit too far. To find a treasured piece of road graffiti has been removed. A bridge between Junction 16 and 17 in Buckinghamshire, daubed with Give Peas a Chance graffiti, signified to many the fact they were nearly home. But Helch, H-E-L-C-H, has now replaced part of the graffiti. And one woman said she was overwhelmed to hear my favourite piece of public public defamation has been defamed. That's a good line. My favourite piece of public defamation has been defamed. Uh, Network Rail, which owns Is that the bridge, the right word? defamed. Yeah, yeah, not really, but never mind. Defamation, yeah. Desecration. Yeah, yeah, that's probably better. In that case, this woman's an idiot. Network Rail, which owns the bridge, said it did not remove the graffiti. It is not known who or what Helch is. Pease was reportedly the name of a London... Gra- oh, did not know this. Did not know this. Was reportedly the name of a London graffiti artist who daubed his name on the M25's only Edwardian Bridge near Denham. The words give... This is great. I didn't know this. The words give and a chance were added later, with the amended graffiti thought to refer to his frequent arrests. 
according to an historic building report by Oxford Archaeology. A Facebook group to celebrate the graffiti has nearly 8,000 followers. And the person behind the group, who does not wish to be named, said the reaction has been heartfelt and devastated. He said, it's a sign of being nearly home. It's a sign of family. People have been tagging sisters and brothers on the group and saying, can you believe this has happened? And the response is, oh my goodness. <laughs> really? Um, this is great, man. This is actually quite beautiful. Katie Stileman, who lives in Oxford but grew up in South London, said the bridge was, quote, a regular feature of Christmas, Easter and summer visits to grandparents, a homecoming banner, a glimmer of hope in the darkest of car journeys. That's a great line. Also, the first person to spot it and call it would win a penguin biscuit from the front, she added. <laughs> if you don't call in, this is all I've got! You idiots! I'm sitting there whinging, I'm talking about bloody graffiti you've never seen. Pick up the effing phone and call in! Otherwise, this is it! This is all you got! It's your fault! Calm down, love it. Russell. The admin of the Facebook group added, the message from the group is, let's get this clean... Wipe off all the graffiti and get Give Peas a Chance back. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's enough pictures of it if you wanted to reconstruct. Get a professional artist to put it back pixel by pixel. A network rail spokesman said, While the graffiti is well known to motorists, we can't condone people putting lives at risk to vandalise this bridge. If graffiti is offensive, we will look to remove it as quickly possible. We would discourage anyone from trespassing on the railway for any reason. I'll get a life. Get a flipping life, you absolute muppet. I love, I used to love that. And I, I, you know, it's kind of, who's Helch? This is the thing. Who is this Helch guy? Oh, public enemy number one. That is a big old uh, undertaking. That's been there forever. Give Peas a chance. I don't know why, well, you know. Ah, oh, sweet Jesus Christ. What do we do now? What do we do now? Well, should we talk about that congressman? No, no I know you wouldn't want to. Go on then, do it, do it. Well, I mean, I was just thinking, how much of a piece of work do you have to be for this to happen, right? Yeah. So there's a, a would-be congressman in America, a Republican, and, you know, they do these kind of, um, what do they call them, party political broadcasts. Well, over there, they're even... Over here, they're quite boring, aren't they? Yeah. Over there, it's all about hitting your opponent. Um, this where, has been where endorsed by Mitch Wardle. Yeah. So this particular advert, it's about six different people, and they're all talking about how this particular congressman is rubbish, doesn't do anything for you, don't believe the acts in the interest of the public, don't, don't he's an awful, terrible man. And then at the end, it transpires, they're all his siblings, and they're backing Beautiful. his opponent. Beautiful. One after the other. Like, kind of nice-looking, middle-aged, regular people all stabbing their brother in the back. And then you read more about the brother, and he's a conspiracy theorist. You know, he's a birther, and uh, he believed that, um, you know, various things have been set up by the government to make the He's a conspiracy theorist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Carol? Yeah? Where's the vibe gone, man? The vibe's been sucked out. What vibe? Exactly. Exactly. There's no vibe. Well, it's because I haven't phoned in yet. Here we go. Here it comes. We're all going to start vibrating. 
Well, you might do because I was going to enlighten you Here we go. about where to look on eBay yeah. for ladies' knickers. Oh God, you know. Is it is it under is it under Carol sixty nine? Is that the user I should be searching no, for? No, 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 no. You you can sell anything. I'll tell you what. Yeah. Somebody's knackered up slippers went for forty five quid the other day. Why? Yeah, no. It's just. Reminded me when you're talking about smells and feet and stuff. Yeah, 45 quid. Can you believe that? Well, where am I supposed to look for used... Trashed slippers. What? Trashed heels. Trashed. Trashed. Look up trash. Oh. But, Just but... put trashed heels, trashed slippers, and you see the mangy-looking things that are for sale. Um... Have you found it yet? Yeah. Oh, yeah, slow. Yeah, yeah but Well that's... trashed office heel. Okay. There you go. Oh, and you uh, see a cabin the crew fo- heels. They seem to be quite fo- popular. Wearing it. Yeah. Uh, worn on nights out and on jobs. Miss. Yep. Miss. Miss. Okay, right. Um, okay. So, how do you know this? Do you sell your stuff on here? Well, no, not on eBay. I just. Um, doing some research, you see, because I've realised my calling in life yeah. and my new career. Because when I brought me hit that room with pole dancing, and um, so I'm well, not very good at being a criminal no. because I keep chatting instead of robbing people. So yes. I thought, well, that's no good. Yeah. So I thought I could be. A Miss Whiplash. Oh, Christ. what do you reckon? Sweet Lord, but, but but you mean Whiplash as in bad neck? No, 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 no. You're like um, dominatrix. Go on, then. lady. Go on, a dominatrix lady. You say, golly gosh. Yeah. Okay. Well, 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 well I thought you know I can put the gear on, no. the suspenders and the stockings and yes. the gosh, corset you and make all it that sound kind so of erotic, thing. Yes. Well. Um, my friend's sister-in-law, she lives in Australia. Yeah. She's made a mint out of it. She's got two houses and her own poodle parlour. <laughs> what? Whoa, hang on a second. Is that is the poodle parlour a euphemism, or does she actually parlour no, poodles? No, she proper dog thing, you know, a yeah. dog egg. Don't be rude about her like that. Family. Come on, she's just trying to earn a living. Well, she has. She's oh. done really well. I thought, wow. Carol, you could do that. Yeah. And I was just ramped ambling through the charity shops like I do, you know, yeah, yeah. having a look round. Yeah. I found uh, one of them riding crops, oh. you know, that with a little tassel bit on the end that yep. whacked the hot. I thought, it's three foot long. I That's going to smell. That'll do. Yeah, that'll do. I thought, that'll be good. But isn't, but being a dominatrix lady, there's... Yeah, no, I could be really good. What you do is just, like, boss people about. Well, go on then, let's and... do it, let's hear it. Well, Ian, why haven't you finished cleaning my toilet bowl with that toothbrush? What have I told you before? Uh, I'm sorry, miss. I was too busy. Mistress. Mistress, if you don't mind, please. Okay. Don't call me miss. It's mistress to you. Okay, and... What do you think? Do you think I'll be good at that? Oh, God, that's terrifying. If anything, it shriveled. Um, Do people... Well, I don't care, because... Do pe- hang on, do people do really get... That, hang on a minute, that's the myth, isn't it? Do people really get turned on being ordered to clean the toilet with a yeah, toothbrush? Yes, they do. 
Seriously, I've seen Euro trash. They look clean. Hang on, hang on, Carol. Carol, clean your luggers out. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. You shut up. Catherine, you were Shut up. Cats talking. No, exactly. Shut up. I've seen I've seen documentaries in like Euro trash and that yeah. and people lick the toilet clean. No, you can't lick that. You'll get the runs. Well, it's cleaner than your kitchen top on some. No, it isn't because I don't shit on my kitchen top. <laughs> oh my yeah, but god! But yeah, I do that quite regularly in my toilet. Yeah, I know, but they do. I say did once actually in my kitchen top. Yeah, your toilet seat is cleaner than your kitchen top if you don't use this certain. Cleaner that cleans ninety nine percent of germs and bacteria. A, a, a subby's tongue. I've, you've okay. lost me now. Yeah, okay, okay. thanks for the call. You have Carol, to get you? used to the parlance. Felt like Carol, we were, felt like we were talking on a, through a delay system there, and that is just um, a tired old brain. Uh, Alistair, stay there. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand is the telephone number if you want to give us. Because it's a Monday, we're going to play the second part of the interview with Chaz Hodges in a little bit. Um, the vibe is kind of bouncing around on the bottom, and that's fine. That's absolutely fine. We can we can deal with that. We can work with that. Uh, if you do want to give us a call though and steer the show into a different direction, you'd be very very welcome. Oh three four four. Four nine nine one thousand is the telephone number. It costs you pennies, if anything. If you speak to James, he will take your name and number and give you a call straight back. So far, we've talked about dolphins, graffiti, uh, dominatrix ladies. I don't know if that's actually the um, the, the correct term. Um, you're right. You're yawning a lot. It's only it's only slightly off-putting. It's only slightly off-putting having you yawning while I'm trying to entertain. Listen, I'm human. Masses. Okay, I'm human. Okay, maybe going, maybe going to have a little walk around in the fresh air, because it does, it does take the vibe a little bit. Okay, thank you very much. Across the UK, online and on DAB. Get an earful of unusual nocturnal emissions with Radio's Lord of Misrule, Ian Lee. No relation, thank God. Unfiltered Night Talk with the original king of unconventional conversation. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. 0344-0344-499-1000. Paul Ross is on at one. We're going to play the second part of the interview with Chaz in a bit. Let's go to Alistair. Yes, Alistair. Hi, Ian. I'm Kath. Hi, Speak yeah. faster. Okay, so... Um, faster. Basically... Faster. Speak faster, seriously, man, because there's no vibe in the show, and so we can't have any uh, VVs, vibe vampires on, so you've got to speak fast. Okay, I nearly had a wobble tonight. Well, I did have a little wobble, but I got through it, and I'm okay. Congratulations. I pressed my, vir- I pressed my virtual stop button on the uh, on the chair. Yeah. The other thing was, um, I've been looking at some old box sets on all, all four, and I was wondering if you saw the original of GBA when it when it was. Uh, Speak into the phone! I am speaking into the phone. No, you're not! You were not! It went all muffled! And then when I told you to speak in the phone, we could hear you! Uh, Yeah, I watched it. I I watched... I didn't watch it when it first came out, but I started it last year and couldn't get into it. But Michael Palin... He's put the phone down. There we go. That's... That's that! I think he's going to go and hit the F it button now. Don't. I think that's what he's going to do. Don't do it, Alistair! Let me call him back. Jeez, man alive. What's going on with people? Ay, 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 ay. Mm-mm. 
people who phone up and don't get the act. Now, now he's got his perfect excuse to pick up and blame it on me. Well, that's what it'll do. That, that's not you. No, it isn't me. It's nothing to do with me. That's what it'll do. It's nothing to do with me. Here's the act, right? You know, I've never got to explain the act. I'm quiet with people. I shout with shout with people. It's the act. For God's sakes, man. Now I feel guilty. Here's the thing. Right, let me just explain around because he's saying he came close to drinking and he didn't. Okay, great. And now I feel guilty because I suspect he's going to use what just happened there as an excuse to go and drink. And I feel guilty, even though I know, having been an al- being an alcoholic and a drug addict, that I used a million different excuses. You know, the bus driver looked at me funny. My girlfriend didn't talk to me. Didn't answer the phone when I rang her. I got uh, got the sack from a job. I nearly had a car crash. Some big excuses, some tiny, tiny excuses, and all of them. You know, I put too much milk in my cup of tea. God damn it, I'm going to go and use. All of them are, they come from the, the addict. They don't come from the person outside, but now I'm feeling guilty. Isn't that funny? Mm. And that's my thing. That's his thing. Alistair, don't pick up. The act is, I shout at people, you were muffled. When I asked you to put talk into the phone, you weren't muffled. I, I mean, you know, yeah. but I wish you peace. I wish you love. Um, go and make it through the night. Get Get another night sober. Here we go. Yes, Mr. Olbus. Uh, hello, Ian. Yes. It's we always Mr. appreciate Olbus. our low-rent, low-brow callers. <sighs> you, this, I've been listening for the, the last year and a half. I'm not talking to you unless you tell me your name. Andy. Okay, let's go with Andy, then. Yes. Keep that as it is. Let's go. Stick. Leave that as it. Yeah, yes, Andy. Let's, let's 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 go with this, Andy. I'm just waiting for when uh, your show is going to become less lowbrow. <laughs> the thing is, I like lowbrow. You're the one that's offended at being called lowbrow. <laughs> I can't <laughs> believe that you even remember this. Yeah, because you were an annoying prick about it. I I made a joke about you being lowbrow because you went and saw the watching Kings- Kingsman. Yeah, 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 correct. Well done. And then uh, every few months you tweet. A year and a half ago. Yeah, yeah. And every few months you keep tweeting me about it. Tweeting? I've never. <sighs> yes, you're tweeting. You've never. You, you've never tweeted me about it. A year and a half ago, I no, did. No, no, yeah, no, no, no. You've yeah. done it more and then recently. You banned me. No, I didn't ban you. No, I didn't. You banned yourself. You need to you go just over the, listen. Ban anyone. Yeah, I can, well, I can do. I can do. It's my show. Ban who I want. You're not banned. Oh, uh, no, I'm not banned from your show. I mean, from Twitter. I blocked you on Twitter, did I? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, fine. I, I can block who I want. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my, yeah, yeah, well, literally, I can. That's my prerogative. So thanks very oh, much. Of course. Yeah. No, no, I'm not, I'm not um, giving you permission. Of course, you can ban anyone. Yeah, of course, I can. And I do. And I, I ban idiots. And I ban, uh, yeah, I ban idiots. And I, I, I blocked you. Anyway, you what was you... because oh, you said you called me lowbrow. No, I blocked you because you kept going on about the lowbrow thing, man. Get over it. So you like the Kingsmen? That's great. That's fine. You like lowbrow films? I'm, I've not got. A pro- I like lowbrow films. I like highbrow films. It's fine, man. It's eighteen months ago. Get over it. Name a highbrow film, then. Excuse me. Name a highbrow film. Why? Well, I want to see if what you think is highbrow is highbrow. Seventh Seal. Okay, I'll give you that one. 
Thanks very much. Okay. Now, what have you called in for? Um, I just wanted to know, you to know that I'm still there worried about this lowbrow thing that you called me. I found it very, um, insulting. <laughs> the thing is, this guy means it 18 months ago because he saw Kingsman. This guy means it. Jeez. These, it's a full moon tonight, guys. It's a beautiful, low, full moon. I've had enough. <laughs> oh, I've got cramp in my leg. I've lost some. We'll speak to you in another 18 months <laughs> when you're still cool about it. He was tweeting about it a few months ago because I unblocked him. When I unblocked it, I unblocked him. <laughs> I mean, Oh, man alive. Can someone send me his Twitter handle? Because I want to go and look at his Twitter feed. Alistair, don't drink, man! No, no, I'm not going to do. Get... I'm sorry I couldn't pick up the phone. All right, just uh, listen, man. The actors, I shout at people. I shout at people. Don't be offended by it. All right, mate. I'm sorry. I, I don't be it. offended by it! Don't be offended. Okay, bud. All right, take care, man. Stay sober. And you. Goodbye. Uh, Isabel! Hi, Isabel. Hi, I don't think his real name was Andy, by the way. I don't think his name was Andy either. I think he just had a book of babies' names. And he, <laughs> he opened the it, most lowbrow He one. opened it at A and went for a very lowbrow name, Catherine. Yes, he did. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> eyebrow film? Sorry? I thought you said eyebrow film. Oh, let's think eyebrow <laughs> film. Anything with Brooke Shields. Eyebrow, yeah, Brooke Shields. Um, yeah. I don't really know many eyebrow people. Um, Colin that, Farrell. Farrell. Colin eyebrows, Farrell, yeah. yeah. Is he related to Mia Farrow? Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf, Teen yeah, Wolf. there we go. Eyebrow films, guys. If anybody, any local radio shows want that, then they can have that. By the way, we've got some news about the logbooks, which I'll tell you hopefully <laughs> at the end of the week. There's a story with the okay. logbooks, but at the end of the week, I'm hoping I can tell you, okay? But I can't. Okay. Don't want to say anything now because I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, scare people away. Right. Uh, okay. Right. Anyway, Isabel, what can we do for you all the way in, in the United States, Tennessee, the United States of America? Um, you know that thing that says um, "Give Pez a chance." Give Pez a chance. Yes. Yes. Um, I remember when every time we went to the airport and we went back, um, we always used to see it. Yeah. Yeah, it was a classic, classic and bit then, of graffiti. And every time we went past it, I called, I just said, um, there was that, and then my grandma and granddad were like, what's what? Oh. <laughs> then, <laughs> do they have, they don't they have graffiti in, like that in America, do they? Because they, the cops have got guns, and if you get caught graffiti, yeah. you get, you get, um, bye byes yeah, I saw this thing, and um, I just, a minute ago, I went past this um, this man, and he was talking to this police officer, and he, he had his hand, mm. like he was telling a secret, oh. and the man, the police had a gun in his hand. Yes, uh, you got a, it's a scary old place over there, man, it's a scary, do you feel scared, Isabel, with all the guns that the police have got? Sometimes, because there's a thing called a lockdown chill here. Oh. And um, what happens 
it says, this is a lockdown, this is a lockdown, code red. And um, we have to, like, hide under the desks and stuff. Hang on, can remind me how old you are, Isabel? Ten. You're ten, right. You say the lockdown, is this in school that you have to do this? Yes. No. Yeah. So yeah, like, like we'd have, afraid. we'd have like a fire drill where the yeah. fire alarm goes, you've got a file out and go and stand in the playground and the teacher takes the register. Yeah. You have a lockdown drill. Yes. And so like, there's like a, our school's fully guarded, but, um, they still protect us and it's all gated up and, um, they oh. lock the doors. We have phones everywhere. Today there was a test about it. Yeah. What, a written test? No, just like a uh, this man saying this is um, this is a test. This is for the um, like the to warn to keep you safe. Now, like you know, you know that you're safe in school, right? And uh, yeah, you know things happen, but they happen so rarely, and there are so many schools in the states. And of course, we only ever hear about the bad things. We never hear. You know, there were like a million schools and everything went smoothly in all of those. You, know, you don't hear that. So you know yeah. that you're safe. But do, do you... I think there was a there was a tornado drill. Um, there was an actual tornado test. And, oh, my goodness. Um, not like a test. It was actually a real tornado thing. Oh, my God. And we were in the middle of talking in um, Spanish. Yeah. And suddenly I heard this thing. It sounded like wind. It was like... <laughs> and I was like you sure that wasn't a ghost and... drill? <laughs> <laughs> But um, then um, everyone was like, just go downstairs quickly. I'm like, what's happening? Yeah. And, I, and everyone started crying. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> and um, we went downstairs and they said that there's a tornado. And I got freaked out and I started crying. And oh, then um, they put a blanket over me oh. and they gave me a mint. Oh, and here we go. That's how to get the blankie and the sweeties. There was a, there was a teacher. And um, she said, listen, listen. <laughs> and, and then he, she started playing a recorder, and the children started singing it was out of tune. Oh, God, that's... Like a, a put, me out, put me out with the hurricane, please. <laughs> Let me go meet the shooter. I don't want to stay here and listen to kids singing a recorder playing. <laughs> oh, man, it's a different world. Uh, Isabel, listen, I have to go, because I'm really late for the adverts. Um... The, okay. we, the logbook is, the logbooks are coming back this week. And when they get back, okay. is, is, is Isabel next? Yeah, Isabel so. is next. Okay. We'll send you one of the logbooks. Um, and, um, we'll be able to kind of tell what's happened. Thanks for sharing that, Isabel. That's fascinating. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye. What a lovely young person. Oh, we'll talk about well, that in a second. Bless that she has to worry about that stuff. Oh, three, four, 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 nine, nine, one thousand. Talk radio. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee. Unfiltered Night Talk with the original king of unconventional conversation on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. Uh, Isabel's 10. Moved to Tennessee. Imagine your eldest is 10, isn't she? Imagine her having to do, what did she call it? Lockdown. A lockdown drill and hide under desks. We all know... That's that's for a shooter, you know. It's for someone uh, for an, some nut nut job running in with a gun. Um, and obviously, you know, they're safe. Of course, they're safe. They're in. They're in. You know. The, the, yes, it happens more than it should do. But the number of schools compared to the number of times it happens, you know, you're safe. But yeah, but that is somewhere 
in a ten-year-old's consciousness. Yeah, the fact they're having to, to, to that 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 suggestion has to be put in their head. The most exciting thing that happens to my ten-year-old at school is a fire drill when you go and stand out in the playground. Oh, that's that's um. Yeah. That puts a whole new perspective on everything, doesn't it? Terrifying, poor world we live in. Hey, it doesn't matter though. I'm, you know, the Americans have got their rights to have guns. They need their guns. They've got to have guns. So let them have guns. You know, they need guns so that we can scare 10-year-old girls. That's why. Let them have guns, man. Come on. It's in their constitution. What I don't understand, right, and it's, I did American history, but I, I've, I've found it really dull, if I'm honest. So you've got the constitution, which is the, the, like, the rules for America, written, I'm guessing, by the founding fathers. Was George Washington part of that? He was the first president. Yeah, but there are amendments, and that was an amendment. Well, this is what I'm, this is what I'm getting. So they got the rules, and then everyone said, well, yeah, these rules are cool, but actually there's a few things it doesn't cover or don't work. So they added bills. You could add bills, like the Bill of Rights and things, and you could add amendments. So there's, I think it's the Second Amendment is the right to bear arms. Well, why don't they put in a, I don't know, 18th Amendment, yeah, we, we, we cancel out the Second Amendment. <laughs> the thing is, the, the reason for the Second Amendment is kind of not not there anymore. It was about the government. It was about the Brits coming back, basically. You could raise a militia, right? Yeah. No one's talking about militia when you've got some bloke swinging a gun or packing a gun down the front of his pants, you know, walking uh, down the street feeling like Mr. Macho Man. That's not what it's about. They're not a, they're not a militia. Ten-year-old kids having to practice. The government lockdown. start on the people in America. It will a militia will not be necessary. Uh, don't bother calling in, guys, because to be honest, you don't deserve to speak to me tonight. <laughs> oh my god! They don't. They don't deserve to speak to me tonight. The, the behaviour has been atrocious. Full moon, and we get Mister Olbus calling in, or Andy. After TV wildlife hosts Michaela Strachan and Chris Packham in were warned by bosses for constantly giggling on air about great tits. Jeez, really? Grow up, guys. It seems things may get even worse. The forthcoming series of their BBC Two show, Autumn Watch, will be filmed in New England, which is full of beavers. For those who don't know, beavers is slang for vagina or fanny. (laughs) Michaela, 52, has insisted all their innuendo is accidental, but added, occasionally, I do slip one in. (laughs) I wrote that. I said that bit. I did that bit. I did that. She says they're accidental, but added there will be loads more when the programme is broadcast from the US. She said, they have beavers in New England. They also have bald eagles and moose. I don't know what we'll do with moose, but I'm sure we'll find something. When you're talking live on television about great tits, you don't even need to do an innuendo. The innuendo factor is pretty high. Michaela added, it's really nice for us to see wildlife we haven't seen that much of and introduce British audience to something a bit different. She said, being in New England... Oh, boring, 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 boring. That was boring. <laughs> that was a boring story. Let me take this. Yeah. Hello, Oliver. Hello, Ian and Kath. Hello. Hello. I'm coming to your... Uh board game thing. No, you're not. You're banned. What? You're banned. I'm that... banning I'm banning Oliver from coming to the board game thing. You're banned, Oliver. Are you? No, you're not I banned. Did... Have you bought a ticket? I bought a ticket, but I didn't get anything back. I got it on PayPal. Did you say... You, say, you, the, you, the, the, you got it from my email. Everyone who emailed me directly for the tickets... Um, I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna reply 
and um, I'm going to... Can you get that call, please, James? I'm going to reply... I'm going to reply and you... Just pay attention when you're doing the show. I'm going to reply and yes, you've got a ticket, Oliver. Cool. Are you what bringing I... any board games with you? Yeah, exactly. I've got loads of board games, but I don't know if they're too complicated and long and... Oh, mate. Oh, well, we'll soon find out. Here's the thing, right? On, on, on the 9th of December, me and Kat are doing a show at six in the evening and it's almost sold out and it's sold out really quickly. And we went, well, let, but if we see if we can get the venue and can we do something that's not a rabbit hole, that's not like the radio show? And I said, well, I've got an image of just everyone, like the audience playing Twister. And Kath went, well, why don't we get everyone to play, just bring board games and we'll play board games for a couple of hours? And we went, yeah, okay. So, um, I don't know how it's going to work. It's going to be a mess. It's going to be noisy. So we're calling it a Christmas... What is it? A Christmas bring along a board game silly seasonal special or something. We're going to bring some games. We're gonna, the only game I can think of is Tag Uno, where you play Uno, but you've got a tag team and someone can tag you and take over. Um, I hope someone blink- brings Twister, because we'll have that. Um, and yeah, whatever, whatever you want to bring. Mine's like... RPG kind of things. Do it, man! Do it! <laughs> the audience... <laughs> be prepared, the audience might get a bit rowdy. They'll be deciding yeah. when we move on to the next game or something, but do it! Be proud of yourself and your games. So, so is it like, oh, one board game at a time, in the, like, you're playing it, yeah. not everyone's playing it. We'll bring it up on... Well, then... well, well, I, I, if, listen, if games break off on their own... I'm totally cool. Spontaneous games break Totally out. cool with that. If someone sat at the back and goes, oh, flipping it, you've got that. I've always wanted to go on that. I'm totally cool for that. Um, but, but yeah, we will be up on the stage playing the games and people will be shouting out, inviting people up on stage. They'll get their games out. We'll play. We'll have a laugh. I'll win. You'll go home crying. That's pretty much how I be like do. Antiques Roadshow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, Oliver, I've got to go because I want to squeeze Mark in. Thank you for that. Good evening, Mark. Hello, Ian. Hello, Mark. How are you doing? I'm very well, Mark. We've got two minutes exactly. What would you like to say, sir? You have forced me to call you with your you, "I mustn't call you" line. That's oh. that's what that's what did it in the end. Okay. Well, we'll try that a bit more often, shall we? The old I RP. Think it works. I think it really Well, have works. you got anything to say? Oh yeah, I've got loads of things to say. Um, could talk about the Second Amendment. Okay, well, you've got like, you've literally got a minute and 38 seconds. Oh, my God. No, I just, I just, I actually have called before. I spoke to you about six years ago. You probably remember. Yeah, I remember it, yeah. Mark, Mark, Mark from 2012. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, great call. That's, that's from 2012. It was a good call. Did he get I to the point then? Or? <laughs> for 20 minutes. Yeah. Well, what did you, what, what did you talk about then? Or I, I, no, you were a bit ill. You went home 20 minutes early, so I took over the show. I went home 20 minutes early? Yeah. Why did I go home? Well, I'm going home 20 minutes early tonight. Why did I go home 20 minutes early? You were a bit ill. Oh, all right. Whoa. Hey, dude. Calm down. (laughs) It's my body. Treat it with the respect and the the gentle, loving touch it deserves. I'm sure I'd respect it much more than yourself. Oh, Mark! Don't do it! We've got to go in a minute and now you're flirting with me. The first decent flirt of the night. (laughs) The only other one was Carol. Well, yeah. Anyway, there we go. Anyway, is a minute over now? Then you've got thirty seconds. God, that's a long time, isn't it? No, Second I can. Minute, there's still the risk of tyranny in in, in, in the United States, though, isn't it? Oh, there? don't don't say that now. Give us a call tomorrow. I'll see. I'll see. If you if you ban me from calling, you, I'll consider it. 
Oh, right, you're banned. You're banned, Mark. I never want to talk to you again, especially not tomorrow, all right? Loser. All right. Up all yours. Right. I think Mark's got a cat. Literally 20 seconds to go, and he starts talking about the Second Amendment. Stay tuned. Uh, when we get back from the break, you're going to hear the second part of the interview that I did with the legend that is Chaz Hodges from Chaz and Dave. This is Talk Radio. Late night conversation. Wealth losing sleep over. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. But yeah, your original question, yeah, which I've gone right ago. off of it. How did you get together, meet you and Dave? Well, uh, before we backed Gene, uh, Don Arden uh, said, yes, you, you, I'm going forward now. Yeah. Uh, he said, yes, Gene does need a backing band. He's on this tour, but uh, Jerry Lee Lewis is on it as well. But you can back Jerry Lee or Gene. So we went, Jerry Lee, please. You know, so we, we backed heck. Jerry Lee. I mean, my hero, yeah. Jerry Lee. So that was my chance to get on the road with him and uh, just watch him every night, and that's when I really came on good. I was learning the piano then, even though I was playing the bass guitar from from me living. Um, what was Jerry Lee like? Did you get to speak great. too much? Yeah, yeah. We, he, he, he was. You could really talk to him in those days. I mean, we toured, we toured Britain with him. Then we toured Germany. Uh, I was in Germany a couple of weeks, as I remember. I mean, one one time in in Berlin, we did six gigs yeah. in one day, the wow. most gigs we've ever done. I mean, loading all our own stuff yeah. in, uh, and he was grabbing cash wherever he went. A lot of army bases, of course. We started at two o'clock in the afternoon. I think we finished about two o'clock in the morning. Uh, but you could talk to Jerry Lee, and I had loads of questions I wanted to ask him. Be, you know, no one had ever spoken. But he used to come down. He was in Germany. You know, we'd come down to breakfast, sit around the table, have a coffee, and I'd you know things that I knew like um, "I'll Make It All Up to You," which one one of the songs that that he did. It was a B side, but I thought that's not him playing the piano for a start. It's in E flat, and he don't play in E flat. <laughs> and I. Th- that's one of the questions I asked him. No one else knew. I said, uh, "Don't sound like you on the piano." I said, "It's not really your key, it, uh, from what I can figure out." He said, "No, it's not. It's Charlie Rich played the wow, piano on yeah. that." He said, uh, "I was a bit tired. It was the end of the night, and it was a Charlie Rich tune. And I didn't want to learn it." And he said, "Do it." And I just sang it, and he played the piano. So little questions like that. And he, he must great. have been thrilled that you picked up on something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You could. Um, I mean, he loved. He loved questions like that yeah. because he was so used to uh, uh, being asked questions, you know, so you married a 13-year-old girl. And yeah, all yeah. That. That's when he used to get wild and wanted to punch everybody, quite rightfully. But, yeah, I mean, I could talk to him uh, and he would welcome uh, questions like that, like I would, you know, when people ask about recording sessions like yeah. you're doing now about Joe Meek. I love talking about it because it was uh, a great part of my life, a great... Uh, a great learning curve, as they say. And, uh, Have we got to you meeting Dave yet? <laughs> <laughs> I will get to it, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you can do a lot of editing on this if you want. <laughs> yeah, how did I meet Dave? Well, I was uh, on the road with Jerry Lee Lewis, and one of the rare nights off, uh, I went round to my girlfriends, and uh, Joan, who I'm married to now, and we yeah. got three lovely kids. Lovely and, uh, Joan. I've yeah, her. She's delightful, yeah. 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 And uh, Nick plays drums for us, and Kate is a lovely musician. Anyway, but we were courting then, and they always laugh at kids when I say, Courting, Dad, was yeah, yeah. Well, oh, we, I, I still say courting. Yeah, oh, I, I still say that. They it's think it's a right lot. It is, yeah. Anyway, we were courting. And I remember I was family and lift home from her house, and the car pulled up. 
and it was an old mate uh, from school who was the first skiffle group uh, I didn't even have a name but the first skiffle group we started at school uh, Brian Juniper his name was I hadn't seen him for two or three years and he said oh yeah he said hey you're doing alright he said you're with uh, Jerry Lee on the road now and yes yes it's fantastic he said I'm in a band now this is my bass player and it was Dave right and I was playing bass anyway he, they gave me a lift home in, uh, I lived in Edmonton and uh, I said come make me a cup of tea which they did, and um, we started talking, and with Dave, we almost identically had the same taste in music. You we loved, picked. yeah, we loved Jerry Lee, we loved Big Bill Brooms, yeah, I love Big Bill, oh yeah, I love him, I love, the, you know, sort of his guitar shuffle and all that. Uh, but we also loved uh, old music hall stuff, like Harry Champion, yeah. which yeah. our generation didn't really know much about, you know, but we loved it, you know, so, so we just struck up a friendship but we never thought of getting together because we were both bass players. Yeah. Uh, but we did get together, unbeknownst, uh, the first Chaz and Dave gigs were at parties because we'd turn up, someone invites us to a party, yeah, we'd be there, bring a, a party seven, the old big uh, <laughs> a pipkin of beer. And uh, if there, I mean, I was learning the piano there. If there was a piano there, I'd get on and do a whole lot of shaking, a couple of Jerry Lee things. But I'd have my guitar in a boot, David have a banjo, and we'd quite often, you know, play till dawn at whatever party, just me and him. Uh, so that was the first Chaz and Dave gigs. And what was the conversation when you went, you know what, this sounds all right, we should maybe formalise this a bit and do something with this? Well, it was only... Um, I... Um, leaping on uh, I, I, I was in a band called Ed Sands and Feet with Albert Lee Yeah, uh, we toured America and I, I loved Albert's playing uh, but I saw the band left a bit desired it was while I was in America that, um, and I'd known Dave for a good 8 years by then while I was in America um, I'm singing in an American accent which sort of seemed alright I don't know why but it seemed alright in England if you're doing you know uh, you shake my nerves and you're out of my brain you're doing anything oh he's doing a Jerry Lee number yeah. but when I was in America singing in an American accent I thought I felt a fraud I thought that I'm singing to them it's almost like I'm taking the mickey out of them you know yeah. they're thinking I'm you know they, they come, I was coming off and they're going what part of the state do you come from I said oh no I'm English <laughs> and that's when it really struck me I thought I've got to start singing you're in my own accent yeah, yeah. And I started to try out a few things in America, sort of singing in my own accent. And it began, it weren't, it didn't quite translate. I thought, well, the next step is I've got to write my own songs with my own phrases, and then my own accent will come through, come through naturally. And the more I thought about this in America, the more I became obsessed with it. And uh, I remember I got home and I thought, oh, but Albert had decided to join the crickets. Uh, we were going to get a band together, but he decided to join the cricket, so that was fair enough. That's where he wanted to go. So I thought, well, me and Dave would be, it would be a great thing for me and him to get together. So I kept my fingers crossed. I rang him up. I said, I've got this idea yeah. about uh, writing songs and uh, singing in my own accent and just bringing myself out. I said, and do you fancy coming along with me and doing a thing together like a duo thing and he said just so happens he said he just come back from america with a band called mick greenwood and he said i really enjoyed the two he said but i'm not enjoying the band mm. he said the timing was dead right so yeah we that's when we got together he's a great 
bass i play a little bit of bass so i kind of keep an ear out for bass and um uh, I, I think paul mccartney's a genius yeah. on the bass yeah. carol Kay in america from yeah. the wrecking group even though she was very rude to me in an email she's brilliant but i've been watching loads of your videos recently yeah and uh, i'm really watching dave's fingers he's a brilliant bass player because he's yeah. doing that he's doing that thing that mccartney does that kind of melody bass yeah, he's yeah. not just doing yeah. the root notes he's yeah. playing lovely little fiddly bits going up to the top of there and little t yeah. he's a cracking player yeah he has and um i like to think that both of us um are getting better all the time because there's always something else you can do that's why the the act always stays fresh there's always yeah. some little bit it, it basically the same but there's always some there's a little bass note that he might put in yeah i mean i go back to the early days when albert lee our favorite guitar player and I'm still in touch with albert a lot uh if he was around in the early days he'd come and sit in with us yeah. uh, which he would you know in the early 70s oh albert's here plug in albert and uh, he, he could follow anything albert you know he didn't have to know the songs he would play them like he's known them all his life and um i remember in the very early 70s he he was around quite a lot then he then he moved to america and we didn't see him for a while and um, he came back uh about two years three years later and uh he sat in with us and he went i can't find any holes <laughs> to fit <laughs> wow. the guitar player you wow, know what a compliment over that yeah. period you know if there's a little gap either i'd fill in yeah we never rehearsed it but dave would suss that as chaz does a little bit there and then a little bit and but i'm not doing a bit in somewhere else in another song so dave would do a little bass bit and that's how it happened yeah. all the holes got nicely yeah. filled up and albert said i can't find no holes what was the was the first song whether whether it was live or you heard it in playback where you went shit we've we've got something here this is we've got something unique the first playback uh well the first album that we did um we used to do a lot of sessions well i was doing a lot of sessions on the bass um with uh derek lawrence he was a good producer i was still in touch with him there he's a great, great bloke and he and uh big jim sullivan started a record company called retreat records yeah. and we were doing lots of sessions among them was one we did with Labby Sifri that yeah. uh, Eminem sampled. Have you had any money from that yet? No. Right, no. okay. Touchy subject. Yeah, no, well, I didn't even know, you know, I, I was playing the guitar on it on that one. Um, uh, Big Jim Sullivan was the arranger on it, as I remember. He arranged the whole album. Uh, so, if any anything, he should have got some money from it. And we, we were just, we're playing a part yeah, yeah. on that. You know, we booked on a session and yeah. Jim would go, oh, Chad, can you play this sort of feel on it and that? Yeah, great. Dave, because one, once uh, me and Dave got together, I'd, people would ring me up and say, you know, I'll do a, a kick on bass, a session. So I don't play bass now, I play piano or guitar. Uh, Dave plays the bass. So I'd row him in on really? the session. So that's how it works, yeah. you know. Uh, but yeah, on that particular session, Big Jim Sullivan, um, he would just, you know, Dave, can you play this bit? I think we had um, uh, Ian Wallace on the drums, and great, uh, great, great drummer. And him and Dave used to work things together, you know, sort of like little bass drum bits uh, and bass uh, bass together. Um, but yeah, it, we were playing an arrangement, so it wasn't out of our heads. It was out of Big Jim Sullivan's head uh, that Eminem and Nick. Yeah. Did. So I didn't really feel that. Jim, that I re deserved any money for it. It was Big Jim Sullivan's yeah, yeah. all his work. So whether he did, he's dead now, poor old Jim. Uh, whether he did get any money for it, I don't know. But um, at your best, right? I think your songs are up there with Ray Davis of the Kinks, in as much as um, 
you know, Ray Davis at his peak, before he kind of went American, he really captures Englishness, not Britishness, but Englishness. And I yeah. think that your, uh, your best, your songs do that as well. They are, you know, you know partly because of the, you know, the voice that you're using to sing, but they just describe England and a, and a period of Englishness and an English sensibility. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, and uh, a lot of people sort of um got the wrong end of the stick when we first started that, yeah, we, that we were going oh we think we're the best you know london's the best it was just purely like i started out saying i wanted to become myself yeah so well i know what he's like because i've heard his songs you know i know the sort of bloke that the, the, the things that he's interested in and uh and how he phrases things because i've heard his songs so if I've achieved that, uh, then I've done it right. And so. that wonderful... You mentioned kind of the musical songs as well. You've got that marvellous sense of humour as well that I think Ray at his peak has yeah. in. Things like... Um, what was the one I was listening to? Doesn't anybody around here speak English anymore? That's a brilliant song. Yeah, yeah. It's like... And bollocks. Yeah. It, <laughs> they're, 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 they're brilliant songs, and they're really, really funny, yeah. you know, which is tricky to do in a song. Yeah. I funny enough, I, was, I went down to the post office about a week ago, and... Uh, with, uh, walking in there, this kid on the bike, he's about 11, I suppose, come on, his big, great big tyres on. He went, you're chasing, yeah? I went, yeah, yeah. He said, oh, I love your songs. I said, what's your favourite one? So he, went, he said, uh, uh, Rabbit, Margaret and Bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, hang on a minute. <laughs> it was dead serious. <laughs> but, uh, no, yeah, it's... Um, uh, don't anyone speak English? See, a lot of people got the, the wrong end of the stick there because of the title. It sort of sounds like it's racist. Yeah, but it ain't. No, no it's not, at all. not at all. It is. What what got got me was uh, when reading um, when like a journalist in the Melody Maker and the Enemy started speaking in you know no way and yeah. uh, it, all these American phrases are coming. You know, we're going to go to the movies, and I thought. No, we got the pictures. We don't go up to the movies, and that's that was the reason. When I go, it ain't right here, but it's all right over there. It's yeah. like it's you know, it's great in America because that's how they speak. Yeah. But, but we don't want us speaking. I like still American. say that we're going, boys. We're going to the pictures. Ooh, it's all right, but yeah. it is it is one of those lazy things where people hear Cockneys and they hear a title like that and they think, oh, it's going to be, oh, no, yeah. and it's not. It's a really clever. Yeah you know critique of of people you know using americanisms techno babble and just not speaking english yeah 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 it's, it's remember what you yeah. used to say a lot of people forget yeah and funny enough i mean everybody says it now no way everybody said they know there's no chance that's what we say oh, no chance yeah they go no way but it's normal everyday conversation now but i can remember when it started in the <laughs> 70s and like, i remember the, the singer in uh, his hands of feet uh, he said ray smith keeps saying no way you know oh yeah we don't say that do we but yeah it's gradually crept in and now everybody says it what it? was it like becoming pop stars because you were pop stars you did the top of the pops you had yeah. the hit singles you did the pop videos that must have been that must have been strange. It was strange. It was not as good as uh, everybody else thinks. Yeah, I mean, I top of the pops. I mean, the greatest are, are the gigs. They still are. I mean, um, uh, and anybody who g goes out gigging, I mean, it's like um, Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer, with, you know, I know Vic Reeves pretty well. He started, he's, uh, when he's dealing with TV people, if you've got to deal with them all the time, yeah. that's got to be a drag. I mean, Mark Lamar, he's a mate of mine, and he's not, you know. But when you go out gigging, you're just 
doing what you want to do and you've got a crowd that have come to see you yeah you haven't got anybody to say oh don't do this one don't do that and yeah. just do this so uh yeah and i forgot your question what was it like being a pop star yeah. <laughs> well, was, yeah. it, was it was it was it we it must have been a weird transition from having played music for so long yeah to getting that um that spotlight on you you know that yeah. that proper famous in the tabloids on top of the pops on the telly look it's Chaz and dave walking down the street yeah um it wasn't um it wasn't as good as everybody no. thinks it, it was quite bummy being on top of the pops was quite boring you spend uh, two minutes rehearsing in the afternoon then they say oh we see you in three hours time yeah. and uh luckily in those days uh the all of the uh the roadies and that i mean i learned to play poker in the old days it was a great pastime because <laughs> yeah. yeah, it kept you away from the bar you know yeah, you yeah. sort of playing a bit of poker and get a coffee and all that it was a great um time waster uh went for for times like that but if you didn't play poker you'd be careful you you could be stuck in the bowl all the day and by the time the gig come you know you, you couldn't do what you're supposed to be doing but yeah, it was it, it was a necessary evil because yeah. you wanted to plug your album and you wanted to plug your record, but uh, the actual uh, you know I've had to do that all the time. Well, I wouldn't do it all the time, put it that way. You, you're still doing the live gigs in Royal Albert Hall yeah. again soon, isn't it? Is it was it next yeah. year? Um, yeah, it's sold out already. It's sold out nuts? really quick. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean that that is great. Um, 20th of April we're doing it next year, uh, and we did it for the first time on our own did it a few times over the year on other people's yeah. shows but uh first time and, and we sold it out about uh three years ago i think Isn't that funny and i still remember that feeling uh, when we went on it was like you're in a big football stadium you know <laughs> ladies and gentlemen Chaz and dave and like just the roar that went up yeah just, i mean i love that you know never never one never. of my coolest moments um for the teenage cancer trust I got to go on stage at the Royal Albert Hall, introduce a video about cancer and stuff, which was, you know, was very humbling. Yeah. But then I got to introduce The Who on stage. Yeah, I got yeah. to go, ladies and gentlemen, it's The Who. Yeah. And I was there, you know, where they were. Yeah, but, but that roar from yeah, that yeah, crowd yeah. Is, yeah. Is, is magical. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll say. I mean, we finished off, we did uh, sort of three sets, really. We did an acoustic set because we had Martin Taylor on her latest album. So we did a bit of an acoustic set. Uh, anyway, we finished the, the first main set off with Gertrude, and at the end of it, they were all on their feet, ready to go. Yeah. And the woman, uh, uh, the stage uh, manager, this woman, she said, "I've been here thirty years. I've never seen a crowd <laughs> do that." Yeah. Uh, and but at the, when we when we went, went on for our main set at the end, they were just all up dancing. I bet. I bet. And they had these great big like, stewards you know sort of but i remember this great big bloke and this steward like they're trying to sit him down which you can't yeah they just want to dance and this great big bloke looked at this steward and just held his hands out and like what are you gonna do <laughs> i'm gonna dance whether you like it or not mate and this steward just sort of like looked down shook his head and walked away they weren't going to cause any trouble he just wanted to there's dance. a lot of affection for you Chaz and dave and um I interviewed uh, Francis Rossi a while ago, and uh, uh, there's a lot of affection for the Quo now. And I think you yeah. you had a similar thing that the Quo did, where you got that big pop career and you're, you're on top of the pops, and then for a while, and I think this happens to all bands, happens to the Beach Boys, you sort of become a bit of a joke for a while because you're so familiar yeah, yeah, and so everywhere yeah. that you, yeah. you you become a bit of a joke. And then if you can ride that out like the Beach Boys did, like Status Quo, like you've done, mm. you become 
just I, I don't want to say national treasure because I don't no, even I know, know what that I means. But you become yeah. you know yeah. part yeah. of the yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, you you must be aware of that affection. You must have got a lot of that when you were diagnosed with cancer. Yeah, a lot. And um, I, I I put the uh, my message to, to how I was getting on. I think every couple of weeks yeah. uh, to let people know. Uh, and I just, you know, I want to say thank you. There's loads and loads, thousands of like retweets. You know, you know, how you doing? And so Twitter was great because uh, in the old days, you know, you'd, you'd get letters and you got to answer them, which which I would have done. But Twitter, I could instantly put out there how I'm feeling, yeah. and you know, and like, yeah. yes, it's going good, and yes, I feel good. Uh, so yeah, I mean that that was just a, a great, great warming feeling to know that all those people were. Uh, just wished me well and, and wanted to come and see me on stage again. And we, with, with the first one back was uh, Hyde Park three weeks ago, four weeks ago, uh, on the summer stage there. And great, great afternoon. <laughs> and we have we, we've developed uh, um, I don't know by accident or by someone there up above on all the festivals. It doesn't matter what the weather's like in the day. As soon as we go on, the sun comes yeah, out. Yeah, there you and go. It, it been doing Someone's it. on your side. Yeah, it did it at I Park and it did it at Jimmy's Farm a couple of weeks yeah. ago. But um, apparently, uh, on the summer stage, uh, the promoter said we got the record crowd ever <laughs> oh, so brilliant. it was it was brilliant. great yeah it was great to be you, back. now banjo banjo lele what is this it's a banjo this is beautiful my uncle elf's banjo um he had this all through the war i've seen old photos of of him playing it with my mum on the piano and uh a, a six string that's unusual uh, no, is it a, not it's a five string He's got, has he not got six pegs? What's going it has on? got six pegs, yeah, but it hasn't got... I don't know why it's got six oh. pegs. It actually is a five-string, but okay. I've got the, the fifth string sort of moved over because I'm strumming. Yeah, I'm oh, not I actually see, using... Yeah. Yeah, 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 The fifth string comes up uh, halfway up the neck there. Yeah. Um, but I'm not using it as a five-string. I use it as a... Go on, give us, give us a little tune. Uh, yeah, what I do... Chaz. <laughs> that's brilliant man brilliant it's a great sound isn't it it's wonderful yeah oh yeah i've done it up about um when my uncle elf died uh my brother acquired the banjo and, yeah but he 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 said you want it he said you my brother played a little bit in the old days but he said you'd make better use of it so i said great so i did it up um i've got the action going better and put a new bridge on it and put new strings it on it it sounds incredible doesn't yeah. it yeah I've, I've got it really Playing in tune as well, right up the octave. But it's got that party sound, isn't yeah. it? Straight away. It just makes you smile. It, it just does, it makes does. you smile. You yeah. can't argue with that yeah. sound. I remember Albert Lee saying the same thing. We when we was in Los Angeles uh, uh, years ago with Ed Sands, a fee went in the shop, and there was a six-string banjo there. And uh, uh, I think Eric Clapton ended up getting it, and he gave it to Dave. Dave still got it, but his six string. I remember he picked <laughs> it up, and he went brong, and he said exactly what you yeah. just said. It just instant smile. Yeah. You've got a smile, yeah. You? 
it's happiness. It does, yeah. It, it really is. I've, I've noticed there's a piano here. Yeah. Any chance of getting a song on the, on the piano? Would that be all right? Yeah, I could do it, I'm, yeah. Honestly, I'm, I'm loving this. Give okay. us anything you fancy on all the right. piano. Okie dokie. Well, this piano is, uh, got a bit of a history about it. It's, uh, my daughter's piano. Yeah. Beckstein. Had it in their house years ago, and, uh, cut a long story short, we got it back, and my daughter's now so, got it. Uh, and so, you, this was yours years ago? Yeah, I bought this, uh, where we used to live in Wearside, I bought this, so what year would have that been? Uh, about 1982 or something like yeah. that? No, a little bit later, about 85, I suppose. Then we moved, and uh, where we moved to, it, it couldn't accommodate the uh, the grand piano. Sold it to a friend up north. Uh, then my daughter Kate was. Uh, we were going to get a piano uh, about six months ago. She's a brilliant musician oh, and singer songwriter. Yeah, I've got I some mean, of her CDs. She's great. Could, could do a whole program at least about what Kate does. Yeah. I mean her songs and uh, the talent that she's got. But this piano, she learnt on. Uh, I'm cutting a long, long story short. I managed to get it back. Um, the bloke I sold it to, he just so happens he, he rang up and he said, I'm moving house, do you want to buy it back? <laughs> the, the timing was dead right. Isn't that amazing? So we got it back it's in the stunning. house. Jerry Lewis ones I, I uh, learnt was uh, off his album 1959 first one of the first ones I ever played on the piano I think England in front goodbye Joe we gotta go we all mine without a fly or to be rolled down the mile
brilliant, man. Rock and Look roll. at the size of the grin on my face. That is brilliant. <laughs> that is brilliant. Chaz, thank you so much for your time. Oh, I've also got to thank you as well. You're, I think you are the reason that most people in this country know the order to pot the balls in snooker. Oh, yeah. It's oh, yeah. Whenever I'm playing snooker, it's right, pot the red, then screw back for the yellow, green, brown, blue, pink and black. That's the only way I know the order is because well, of that song. Same, same here. I had to look it up. I think <laughs> my brother-in-law told me. Bruce, he's a great snooker player, so he told me the, uh, the order of them. But, uh, yeah, managed to rhyme it as well. <laughs> Chaz, I love you so much, man. And, and I know one of the great joys is because, you know, I'm friends with your son-in-law, yeah, yeah. Paul, and... Um, uh, but coming to see coming to your grandson's uh birthday party like five or six years ago and yeah, i brought yeah. my boy and you were the turn you were you know it was in a church hall and you were up That's on it. the piano yeah, doing yeah. the music for it yeah, which I is well, I, if there's a piano there I, I, you can't keep me away from it uh, mate thank you so much for your time oh, i man, really appreciate it, it. um yeah. and uh, i'll see you in april at the royal albert hall yeah are we gonna do something together oh we? god shall we i'm embarrassed yeah. to i've got my ukulele you should do what do you want to do whatever you fancy I'll, I, I'll, I'll back you oh god i don't i'm not very i'm nervous and embarrassed um, the only thing I can play, I've gone out of tune. Go on. I've got the Beatles song. Yeah, yeah. I've just on. seen the face, which starts with a what is that? A G? I think. Mm-hmm. I've just seen the face. I can't forget the time or place where we just met. She's just a girl for me. I want all the world to see we've met. La da 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 da. Had it been another day, I might have looked the other way And I'd have never been a word As it is, I'll dream of her tonight That's made my life. Thank you, Chaz. <laughs> Good, a bit high for me, but I think I've managed it in the end. <laughs> Thank you, mate. Good.